No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules. And at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome back to another special edition of Banal of America Audio. I guess we can still use the old uh, the old style name here because this is a uh, part of what we're doing is the holiday season, uh, Banaliday season of different shows. And as I said last <laughs> week, I'm trying to incorporate some. Somebody laughed at that. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, trying to incorporate, do, do different stuff instead of just sort of like bringing on one person who's been on the show a long time ago or, or a new person. It's like, you know, these are supposed to be special. I mean, I quasi-retired uh, back in April and stopped doing regular shows, so it's like I can't do regular shows. We've got to do something off the wall and unique. So tonight uh, we're doing the Banal of America Christmas Party with uh, three guys who uh, – I got also, I might get a little choked up because I've become such good friends with these three guys over the last year uh, through conversations online on Twitter. We're 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 big Twitter heads, the three of us, or the four of us. I brought on Adam just now. I hope he's I hope that was Adam and <laughs> yep, not yep, not I'm some good. interloper. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, and and we've just really connected in a way. It's just unbelievable, and uh, I really love these guys because we share sort of a, a really. We share a lot of the same sensibilities when it comes to a lot of this stuff, UFOs and conspiracies. Um, you know, we don't suffer fools. Uh, we recognize the absurd and can laugh at it. And, uh, you know, and, and we can appreciate sort of the silly while at the same time sort of, you know, rolling our eyes and shaking our heads at the people who, who are just uh, lemmings to the silly. So I, I really, uh, like I said, we share a lot of the same sensibilities. And I think also... Uh, we're not quite old enough to be curmudgeonly, but, uh, you know, we're still with it. We're still with the times. You know, we're not behind the times. Uh, you know, we're still with it, but like the Simpsons quote is, uh, it's changed, and we're not really sure if we <laughs> – we're not really sure if we want to be part of it anymore, but we, we're still with it. <laughs> uh, I'll, let, I'll let people try and decipher that <laughs> over a few bong hits uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, so I'm talking about, of course, this trio of awesome guys. Adam Go Rightly, uh, he was on way back in season one. He's just a, just a, a dear friend of mine. Him and I have been in some adventures. We're in a movie together, actually, coming out soon. Um, and he's uh, the author of a whole bunch of books. Uh, the Prankster and the Conspiracy is the one that a lot of people connect him to. Uh, also, uh, his work on the Discordians. And he's got a new book on contactees that he... Uh, I think co-wrote with Greg Bishop, yeah, coming out soon. Uh, and then there's Aaron Gullius, 
who is the author of a number of books, but uh, Chaos Conundrum is the one that stood out to me as uh, the one I first remember sort of when we first chatted on the show about. And then he, he's written, like, textbooks about conspiracies and stuff. So it's like when people say he's written the book on something, it's like Aaron really has written the book that's, like, been read by a whole... <laughs> That, you know, that's like required reading in places. It's a textbook, so and it involves conspiracies. So he's, you know, and he teaches at a college. So he's like a, like a legit, genuine, bona fide expert on this stuff. Uh, and he's also the host of the fantastic podcast, uh, The Saucer Life, which I highly recommend and people should check out. It is, uh, it is absolutely fantastic. And, of course, the final guy here is Jack Brewer. He's the man... Uh, he's the author of, we'll start with the book, The Grays Have Been Framed, Exploitation in the UFO Community, uh, which is an awesome book. And like I said, it, it's, it, it suffers no fools. That's probably the best way to put it. It's an honest, uh, an honest broker approach to the UFO phenomenon. And, of course, he is the man behind the wildly popular uh, UFO Trail blog. So he's done some tremendous investigative journalism this year. Uh, we're not going to talk. <laughs> we're not going to talk too much about that because it's a Christmas party, so we want to have a good time. <laughs> uh, but folks should check out the UFO Trail uh, to just learn all about some of the uh, lowlights in the world of ufology. So thank you guys for doing this. I really appreciate it. I was saying, uh, Adam, before we got you on, I was saying to the guys, it's like I'm actually kind of nervous because I'm trying to wrangle like three different people here. Uh, all at once, plus, you know, preside over the whole thing. So, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you guys for coming on and doing this. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Oh, boy. This is why I was nervous. I don't even know where to begin. Yes, we are. We're UFO bros or UF bros. (laughs) UFO UFO bros, UF bros. Um, Yeah. It could go, yeah, it could go in a bunch of different ways. Uh, well, let me think of where – I'll leave that up to you guys, okay? This is good. All right. So should we do a QAnon on or, or sort of the TTSA uh, world? Because those are like the two big sort of topics we've discussed uh, amongst each other and stuff like that over the years. Uh, so is let's, there one in particular with, that uh, you let's, – Let's start with QAnon because that will drive off all of the, uh, the posers and amateurs. And um, there you go. then, uh, th- then we'll, we'll sort of have the, the cream of the listenership for the rest of the show. There, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're all in agreement that the thing is kind of like crazy, crazy talk uh, nonsense. I guess, Adam, uh, I'll start with you because I, I, I don't want to get into, like, what it is because I think people kind of know what it is. But if you – should we have you do like a – can you do like a – two-minute thumbnail here on what QAnon is so people know what we're talking about. I know it's like I did – I tried to do one on the Thanksgiving show, and it was just me rambling, like, about, about like, child sex rings and shit. And it was just after a while, I'm like, I got to stop this. <laughs> like, people, this is such an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So I'll pawn it off on Adam. Give us sort of, um, like, the, the thing. I'll make it real brief. Uh, yeah. yeah, kind of spun off from uh, – Pizzagate, and it all started, I think, um, about a year ago. Uh, Trump made that statement about this is the calm before the storm when he was with a bunch of uh, his generals at the White House. And so uh, on Reddit or 
4chan or wherever the hell that started. A lot of people point to the Donald subreddit where they started talking about Q. Anyway, that was a sign. There was some, something going on here. And this is when, you know, the Mueller investigation was starting to heat up. So I think it was kind of a response from the peak conspiracy guys on the right to combat. You know, there was, all, there was the buzz about Mueller's going to lay down some indictments and things were starting to move with, you know, Michael Flynn. I think in one way it was a response to that. But anyway, what who Q is, that's the dude's code name. He was putting out these messages about things happening behind the scenes, how one scenario was Trump was going to break up this pedophile ring with Hillary and all her uh, accomplices. And, you know, it's like, the entire Democratic Party they have. There's all these secret sealed indictments. First I heard 30,000, and the latest I heard was 55,000 sealed <laughs> indictments. So. And they were basing this on these coded messages that were coming out, and they were, it was kind of like this automated bot putting out these nonsense uh, uh, responses. But then they were also taking weird shit Trump would say and trying to weave it into this conspiracy, you know, something something like Kofifi might be like the code word to launch whatever. They're going to round up some people and take them to get those. So it's, you know, it's been this ongoing <laughs> conspiracy where every day uh, the QAnon people are interpreting the crazy shit uh, Trump does and saying it's all part of some grand uh, Plan to bring about the Great Awakening. That's all I got. There you go. That's that's perfect, dude. That's pre- yeah. That pretty much sums it up. Be- better than I did last week. So yeah. <laughs> Essentially, there's like this weird. Uh, they they get posted as like these missives that like everybody they go online and then people go crazy and they try to pick them apart because they're written like in these awful code. This mm-hmm. is like awful coded sort of like poetic language that's like such. It's 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 cheesy, quite frankly, it's cheesy. And the people, I'm amazed. I'm sure you guys saw these, like see, seeing these in last week too. Especially, they're getting more heated. These folks who are like, uh, there was one from a guy who was like, I gave up everything once I got into this QAnon. I'm just dropped out of society. I just hang out. I'm waiting for the system to implode and shit. And it's like, dude, yeah, don't <laughs> do that. <laughs> like, even if you believe this shit, you got to function in society, man. Like, don't – and as somebody pointed out, it's like the scary part is that these people, at some point, you fear that in their minds, they're, like, waiting for the big event. And then at some point, something happens where they're like, I'll be the big event. I will, I will trigger this thing. And it's like, oh, shit. And I think you, you, I'm afraid we're going to get people like that guy who showed up on the bridge uh, yeah. or the dam or whatever mm-hmm. and was like, release, yep. release the secret dossier. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, get off the get off the Hoover oh. Dam with your AR-15. I'll tell you what he was talking about. I know, I know what he was talking actually, about, but yeah. Yeah, it's with, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, <laughs> with the, what do they call it, the IG report of the... Uh, Clinton email investigation, mm-hmm. and you know, it's the uh, how the how the FBI handled that. And so on the QAnon side, it's like when that IG report comes out, that's that's when they're going to nail all the you know Hillary and her bunch. Of course, 
that didn't happen yeah. when it came out. It's just we anyway. It basically said, yeah, that, well, yeah. FBI didn't handle it perfectly and blah, 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 but then the buzz started that. Well, no, that's there's a second secret report, and so that's that wacko on the uh, Hoover Bridge. That's what he wanted. Come on, Mr. President. Don't let us yeah. down. We want that second report, the secret report. And what's interesting I yeah, about know. a lot of this shit. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Jack, Jack, jump in. And, uh, yeah, let's keep Thank you. You know, if if Q wasn't started by an intelligence agency or even a uh, a marketing organization or something, it's some kind of experiment to to see how much stuff people will soak up and what they'll believe and how best to present it to them. If it wasn't an experiment, it's certainly serving as a good one at this point. And I think a lot of different factions of society would be interested in following along with that. And like I say, even if it wasn't uh, begun as some kind of intelligence operation, or hoax by an organized group of subversives, It's. I think it's caught their attention by now. Like I say, even just from a marketing standpoint, it's it's pretty much a phenomenon in itself, the, the extent, as Tim was saying, that some of the people believe this stuff, have uh, wholeheartedly embraced it, and it like seems to maybe even give their life more meaning to think that like all they're they're getting the inside info on that all the uh, all the one political party is all going to be rounded up and put in jail or something it's fascinating <laughs> and frightening right right what, that's that's yeah. I, I mentioned that. Hold on, Aaron. I want to pivot. I want to just ask you a question specifically. I had this in mind, um, uh, and you can feel free to jump on what Jack's saying. But, um, yeah, I mentioned that uh, last week, Jack, that it's like – now I lost my train of thought because I was thinking about what I wanted to ask Aaron. See? This is going to be chaos, folks. It's the chaos conundrum here at the Middle of America Christmas party. Aaron, what I want to ask you – sorry to derail that whole thing there. I apologize, Jack. Um, the – and, and other guys can jump in here, but the, what I find interesting about this is, like, this seems to be one of the first, maybe the flatter thing as a joke sort of predated it. Um, and, and, and to jump back now, I connect this to what Jack was saying about how this seems like a marketing thing. This strikes me as particularly interesting because it's sort of like is one of the few, maybe one of the first, like I said, other than possibly the flat earth of sort of like this conspiracy that's bubbled up from the online subculture and become, like, massive, um, which is, like, really, I don't know, interesting. It's like, I guess it's a sign of the times we live in that's like these, you know, it's the QAnon is like the slender man of conspiracies or something. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Um, what I was going to say, and this actually, I think, relates to, um, to, to your question, is what it reminds me of is, is this idea of a um, – I think one way to put it might be a positive conspiracy theory. In, instead of waiting for the, the UN's, you know, international global army to come in and put all the God-fearing, you know, constitutional, strict construction patriots into FEMA camps, instead something good is coming. Something good is finally coming down the road, and we just have to wait, and we just have to work for it. 
And what it reminds me of is, and I think this is, I think there's still like, you know, three idiots and a goldfish who believe in this, but the, uh, the Nassara, uh, the Nassara hoax that was um, huge in the early, uh, early part of the 20th, uh, 21st century. And what Nassara was, um, what it stood for and stands for was the National Economic Security and Recovery Act. And it was a, it was like a proposal for economic reforms that some professor talked about in the 90s. And it, it, never, it never went anywhere. It was just sort of an academic exercise. But uh, there's this woman, I forget her real name, but she went by the name Dove of Oneness, which is all kinds of dumb. <laughs> but uh, she, uh, she believed it was, it was real. And that when Nasara was finally put into effect, that it would wipe out your consumer debt and everything would be better and everything would be, would be great. And um, it, was, it was passed secretly, because that's how laws work, during the Clinton administration, and then it was, <laughs> suppressed, it was suppressed by the Bush administration. And September 11th, if I'm remembering this right, September 11th, the attacks were a setup to distract people while they suppressed Nassara. And there's all of these laws waiting to go into place, kind of like the you know 30,000 sealed indictments um, for the, uh, the the comet or or ping, comet ping pong pizza guy, and they're finally going to put John Podesta away. Um, there, there, there's these laws just hanging out there, and there are white hat people in the government who are trying to get this uh, trying to get this passed. But you know the uh, the Supreme Court has has you know suppressed this, you know, again, secretly. Um, and there's, and Nassara, you know, it, it ends up getting involved in this paranormal stuff. There's some, uh, there's some channeling going on with it. And it's all connected also to, um, to a, a sort of money scam, um, Omega, Alpha or Omega, something like that. That was um, that a lot of people got, got a, Alpha or Omega, one of the two, um, that was, uh, you know, people got ripped off. There's a documentary called Waiting for Nassara that used to be on Netflix that looks at some of these people who have, who have literally, you know, given up everything and are, are just, you know, living in near poverty, waiting for the time when their debts are wiped out and they are, you know, freed from living in whatever motel they're living in and, you know, finally get their, their packet of, of constitutionally, you know, gold-backed currency. From the federal government, oh, that's kind of like what the QAnon stuff reminds me of. It's, you know, we, we it's it's like uh, you, you mentioned the Simpsons before. It, it's Bart rocking back and forth on the floor of the cabin, muttering, "Crusty is coming, Crusty is coming, Crusty is coming," at at Camp Crusty, and and we're all just waiting for the indictments to come down so God Emperor Trump can can finally drain the swamp. And, and fix everything that's wrong in our, our individual lives. Well, that raises a point, and anyone can feel free to jump in here, but uh, to, to what you said, Aaron, it, it is interesting in the sense that it is like, it, it is like a, like a quote-unquote, like a good conspiracy theory. It's a savior conspiracy yeah. theory. And that's yeah. like really, you know, the more I think well, about it, that's like more in line with like these UFO culty sort of aspect than, gonna, than your classic say, conspiracy theory. I was going to say to the stars, what's uh, <laughs> isn't that kind of the same thing? 
Yeah. I think oh, there's yeah. a lot of similarities. Yeah. I I'd also like to comment that the the QAnon is interesting and in that it's a positive spin. It's also interesting that it it might be kind of unique and that it's gotten so much chatter in people close to the president and in the presidential administration and some of his um yeah. inter, you know people that are on his cell phone you know have have, yeah. have open opinions about has q been compromised and what the code meant and that's kind of unique among these uh um extreme ideas but yeah i did also agree there with adam that there's similarities that run through them like with uh to the stars academy that no matter what happens the um fully committed following sees it as evidence of their beliefs virtually no matter what the event is yeah, and that's that's very similar to to a lot of it's sort of the, the to the stars stuff. I, I think is, is very much a natural outgrowth of what the disclosure movement was doing in its earlier days, back in the in the early two thousands. If only we can get the government to release this information openly, we can solve problems of poverty, uh, environmental degradation, um, you know, dependence on fossil fuels. You know, every problem we have, the solution is just around the corner. Right, right. Well, that's that connects to something I said the other day. Uh, people were taught, and I think well, we've talked about this too, guys. Um, that because we're all we've been in this for a long time. You know, I'd be if I, if I had the if I had the wherewithal, I'd do the math. But I bet you it's got to be like you know, close to a hundred years collectively. The, the four of us have looked <laughs> at this stuff. Um, and I've seen people who are sort of on the same page as us, and and we, and we're kind of like there's a pushback against people, like with our opinions, where it's like there's a stunning reversal, and it's in the QAnon, it's in the DNA of the QAnon, it's in the DNA of the TTSA stuff, um, where it's like there's just been a complete 180, and the sinister government that has been holding us down for all this time is now our our friend. They're now on our side. And and it and like I said when I gave that sort of rambling introduction, it's like we're still with it, but the it in this case is the idea that the government is is going to is on our side all of a sudden for reasons because nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but nothing has changed. Uh, the president may have changed. They may have said something about this Pentagon UFO program, but like, at the end of the day, nothing has changed, um, which should give anyone in, any indication that all of a sudden the government's on our side. So that's the it that we're like scratching our heads. Like, when did that? When the fuck did that happen? Like, what is what is that? Um, yeah, we're, so we're, Adam, we're you're the oldest of the bunch as far as you, – you're the most seasoned, excuse me. <laughs> you're the most seasoned uh, of uh-huh. the group. So what, what, what the hell is going on here? Why does everybody why, – why is like the sort of – a large portion of the conspiracy UFO paranormal community think all of a sudden that the government uh, is, is, <laughs> is, is going to help us? <laughs> when did it become a good thing to stick people in FEMA camps? Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. Yes, Jack. Yes. There's a couple things going on there. Uh, Tom DeLong was pushing that, uh, you know, the deep state or the good guys. And for a long time, you know, they were suppressing UFOs because we weren't ready for it. But now we are. But then once again, his contact was John Podesta. And he's not necessarily a good guy in the eyes of uh, QAnon. So I'm confused, yeah. Um, I don't know What the hell was the question anyway When did this start I guess the question is sort of like What the hell is behind this transformation um, In perspective of the conspiracy In the paranormal community Aaron you're a scholar of the the field So (laughs) So what what do you think? Because I mean, am I am I the only one who's sort of like confused that this, <laughs> this has happened? Am I am I going crazy? I think um, this is a this is a really simplistic way to put it, but I think you started to have more people in these fields trusting the government when people who claim to be currently or previously represented the government began to act trustworthy. Um, when you have people saying, I am, I am resigning from my Pentagon job because I want people to know the truth. Sometimes it's just as simple as, as I believe people who tell me what I want to hear, and you don't right. sort of have the self-awareness to, to realize that's what's going on. Or um, one thing that, that has struck me is, is when, uh, when people investigating these things, you know, currently some of the, the more recent people emerging – um, when they're asked if, if the government has stood in their way, they say they start gushing about how, how helpful people from the intelligence community have been in their endeavors. And, I, you know, I am, you know, cynical, flannel-wearing, nirvana-listening Gen Xer, and I, I, I just, you know, huge red flags. What do you mean the guys from the intel community were so helpful to you? Are you drunk? You know, are, are, are you – why would you believe them? You know, but – you know, why would you believe them? Because they're telling you things that you want to hear and or other people will pay you to, you know, talk about. So sometimes it's as well, simple as that. When you find yourself in the middle of that, and Greg Bishop has pointed that out, you make some contact with somebody or they contact you, have intelligence contacts, and they start telling you stuff that uh, – blows your mind, and all of a sudden, you know, why did they seek me out, you know? It's kind of that ego thing, well, you're doing good work. It, you know, it, start, it was the same line that uh, Bill Moore was handed way back when, you're the only one in the field who really has a handle on this. So it <laughs> strokes the ego and makes them, you know, feel more uh, significant that they're at the center of this uh conspiracy and they have access so you know they that also they want to believe what's being fed to them right well that ties in a sense to that sort of idea i was saying earlier about all this q and all thing is bubbled up from the subculture where it's like the people that's a weird aspect of the folks who are into that stuff because they they're they're they are the epitome of like the wake up sheeple thing they are they are pompous and like they're, condescending they're insiders, dude. they're insiders exactly yeah yeah and it's like because some dude posts on 4chan it's like wow man in a sense i think it might also be a part where it's like a garage like our band our hometown band made good 
where it's like, holy mm-hmm. shit, that conspiracy theory we kicked around on 4chan now is getting national news coverage. But, you know, also it's a complicated world, you know, and these are easy answers. Tell me about it. Yeah. That uh, they found you know, this QAnon guy has it all figured out. And, hey, you got to trust the plan, man. Buy into yeah. it everything. So it's, uh, yeah, it's that positive uh, aspect uh, to it, a delusional aspect, but uh, it makes uh, people feel good or give them a momentary buzz. I'm sure it's quite addictive. Yeah, that's true. And look at I mean, I I'm sure I can remember back when I to when I first got into this. Although the, it's like a baby, it, those <laughs> those memories are <laughs> are slowly fading. But we, I can still sort of remember been, like the yeah. What's what, what's that? I'm so we've all <laughs> get addicted to this stuff on one level or another. Yeah. Right. Right. That's why we got yeah. interested. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a good laugh like a couple Christmases ago when I was at my buddy's place, and a friend of mine had just gotten a friend of mine from high school who, who became a flat earther later. I think I told that the story up in Canada, Aaron. Um, oh, but he yeah, initially yeah. was just getting into all this, um, and this is how I know these people are real. Like I don't know if UFOs are real, but I know these people are real because I because <laughs> I know one of these people. Um, <laughs> And he, like, whipped out a dollar bill, like, at a Christmas party, ironically enough, because that's what we're doing tonight. And he was like, he's just like, it's just me and him talking. And he's like, you see this? You see this? This doesn't have any intrinsic value whatsoever. It's all fiat money and just going off on this shit that I learned, like, the first time I picked up a, a Jim Mars book. And it was like, dude, you've got a long way to go, man. You're, <laughs> you're, you're like, I was almost envious of the journey he was about to go on. But at the same time, I was just like, wow, dude, you are, you're, you're in, you're all in, man. God bless you. Yeah, when Aaron, excuse me, when Aaron mentioned the the one conspiracy where the the people are waiting on their um, their. Uh, riches that the federal government will have to grant them. It reminded me of another one I'd heard. There's different variations of that where, like with the currency, where they believe the Fed is holding a a bond on them since their birth and that yep. if you get an attorney to do it the right way for you. They have to give you this money. And it had, they, they follow clues like some kind of um, B-rated uh, Tom Hanks movie, you know, that, that there's all these crazy clues of what kind of fringe is on this certain flag and, yeah, the dollar <laughs> yeah, bill and all yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it it's like, wow. And it does circle back around to, but the people you're saying are keeping their boot on our throat is who you're saying has to give you this money if you call them on it. Like, how's that work? That, like, the rule makers have to adhere to the rule? Like, why can't they be dishonest, you know? (laughs) Because you know the magic words. Because you know the magic words, and they are powerless if you quote the correct you know, secretly ratified, you know, 12th Amendment that means that everybody with Esquire after their name, you know, is, isn't, you know, a citizen because it's a title of nobility and thus everything, every lawyer who's ever served in government has done is invalid. And, you know, suddenly it's you know, 1802 
again, and you just need the magic <laughs> yeah. words because it's because it's all magical thinking. It, it, it's it's all you know. If I do this the right way, it's casting a spell. Only it's thinking you can use laws, and like like Jack said, it makes no sense. You know, it makes no sense that oh shoot, you know, we've been planning to lock you up in a camp, but but you quoted this website, and so now we have to give you a bunch of, you know, gold or something. It, it, it and cut you loose. Make... Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. You're, our, you're our god now, Internet Man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. just look at the case of Sean David Morton for anyone who <laughs> is listening to this right now and going, no, no, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah, no, John, I'm pretty sure Sean David Morton tried to follow most of those Yep. Most of those prescriptions there, and, uh, you know, he's in the clink. There was actually a great episode of the show News Radio that followed almost exactly what you're talking about, Aaron, where it was Joe Rogan. He was the oh, he, he played, he was like a janitor on the show, and he, he, yeah, he was the attorney. He served as the attorney for the super rich guy, and, he was, and uh, you know, they went to trial, and he just went up to the judge, and he was like, Tubal Cain. And the judge was like, case dismissed. <laughs> I need to find that episode. And, That's awesome. Yeah, I'll dig it you out. You know, as as a a proud card carrying conspiracy theorist, I resent the absurdities because it then does make it so difficult to um, talk intelligently with people that aren't aware of some of the validated conspiracies. And I I think some of this wilder stuff, too, you can kind of trace back to it falls in the laps of the same individuals that, you know, we can find um, uh, instances of CIA consultants that stir the uh, embers of the conspiracies about more recent mind control uh, notions and, and, and fears. And then, it, so it seems kind of unfair to me when uh, the conspiracy theorists get the bad rap when we can quote some of the authority figures that are kind of flaming it as well and then tied in again with and when we have declassified documents that show that you know anyone with a brain knows of course conspiracies exist some of them are real but then it does make it all the more difficult to get in intelligent and credible discussion about it when such an overwhelming amount of it is um, lacks critical thinking and is just kind of sensational uh, internet stuff, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, conspiracy theories are themselves a, a conspiracy. I, I think the, I don't know if it was the FBI or the CIA that actually, you know, developed the phrase conspiracy theory in, in the wake of the, the JFK assassinations, all the theorizing about that. And it was a it was a pejorative way to describe those who had a different point of view than the official explanation. And I think they, like you say, they've been able to use that to, uh, to distract from, from actual conspiracy. You mentioned, you mentioned mind control and there's been new, new classified documents released lately. You know, you say mind control and people who've looked at it on a surface level, a lot of times the first thing to think about is the, you know, the Kathy O'Brien books, right. Or the Bryce Taylor books and, and the, 
the lurid <laughs> descriptions of Dick Cheney uh, and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that's just right. that's all that's all conspiracy theories. It's like, well, what about all of this stuff that's documented by the government? You know, people don't dig deep enough because that stuff. It, honestly, those reports are pretty pretty boring and mind numbing to dig through um, because credible data is not always exciting when you first encounter it. Um, yeah. Someone's yelling at me in the chat room for being for, – I won't even get into it. Uh, but but he wanted an answer to this. Adam, when are we going to get to see the hill in the hole so I can get – so this guy can get his answer? Yeah. <clears throat> early next – or sometime next year. All right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking early. It sounds like it's uh, completed. And so nice. uh, I don't know. I'm just the piano player, man. Exactly. Yeah, but, I'm just uh, the. Uh, I, I, I think we'll I think we'll see it next year, but it's a deal where, uh, you know, once they get it done, they're going to look at uh, getting it into uh, film festivals, then on Netflix. So there's you know there's that whole step of how they're going to get it out to the public, which is another deal. But uh, you know. But it but it's pretty much in the can, and uh, yeah. Probably All next right. year you'll be able to see it if you try hard enough. I wanted to add to this uh, mind control stuff. Those recent uh, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. I got I yelled at in the chat room. Thanks for derailing <laughs> the show, chat guy. Anyway, now you know when the movie comes. <laughs> yes, let's get back to mind control. So I, I didn't I didn't read any of the reports, but I heard about kind of the content and. It's more recent mind control stuff, if I'm correct, that came up during the uh, uh, waterboarding torture and that stuff. They were looking at uh, drugs for interrogation. Mm -hmm. And the drug in question is uh, Versed, V-E-R-S-E-D. When I saw that, I went, whoa. (laughs) I have a personal experience with that. If you go in for a uh, colonoscopy, that's often the drug they give you. And I went yeah. in for said, and I went in for one, uh, God, it's been over 10 years now. And I had no idea what they were giving me, but yeah, give me something. I don't want to feel any uh, discomfort here. And, <laughs> yeah. and so the way it plays out, you know, you're in there and you're, <laughs> they're starting the process. Okay, we're feeding you the drug. And you're talking to them and then, Next thing you know, you're sitting in a room, and uh, I had, uh, next thing I know, yeah, I'm in a uh, a room, and I'm sitting there, and my wife's there, and I'm dressed, and I go, how did I get my clothes on? <laughs> and she looks at me all weird, you know, like, you okay? You've been sitting here talking to me the last 15 minutes or so. However said works is that you're fully conscious awake when you're under the influence but you have no idea of what you might have said during that period and that was you know it was probably about a half hour or so that that went on which i at the time was like bizarre this would make a hell of an interrogation tool i you know i I could have filled my guts to these guys and i'm not the only one anybody goes 
in, as far as I know, for colonoscopy. It's used pretty regularly. I know my I, wife. I can, I can verify that. I'm I'm of the age yeah. where I've I've had one, and and uh, I'm, the nurse. I remember the nurse saying, "Oh, this will this will hit you like you just drank a six pack, but just straight down." And um, one thing I remember saying, and and I, I think this is a I think this is fairly funny, is among the other goofy things I was probably saying during this whole process. When the doctor said, okay, we're going to start, I actually said, is it going to be like when the aliens took me? Which is, which is just, a, just a, you know, a, a stupid, goofy-ass thing to say. But I was pumped full of, of Versed. And, you know, I, they could have, like, like you said, Adam, they could have asked me anything. Yeah. And, and who knows what I would have said. Now, who knows if what I would have said would have been useful as far as an answer, which is the problem with some of these sort of interrogation drugs is, is you don't know if what they're giving you is, you know, pure fantasy or, or something useful, but, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, but in the right conditions with the right questioning and, you know, with decades of, you know, publicly funded study about how to use it for interrogation. I mean, I probably couldn't interrogate somebody with it, but a trained psychologist who'd been working on this project for decades, yeah, they probably could get something. I mean, you could get some very simple answers, like, uh, you know, if they asked me who my wife, I'd give them a straight answer. If they asked Paul Manafort who his uh, Russian handler is, uh, you know, <laughs> probably get a, <laughs> some, some intel well, to work off of. <laughs> what Aaron, the Aaron's joke, it's funny in another way, because that's exactly kind of what I was thinking when you told that story, uh, Adam, because it was like... You hear these ideas. Uh, uh, maybe you can jump in here, Jack, because you've done a lot of looking at this sort of mind control and the real documents and shit. But it's like there's sort of this this side theory, I guess you could say, a peripheral theory, um, you know, a heretical theory, I guess you could say, in some people's eyes, that you know that these alien abductions are just military experiments, um, or or a large percentage of them are, um, or maybe even a small percentage, but they're, they're, somehow they're involving military experiments. Um, and they're overlapping with and being misconstrued as alien abductions. And, and, you know, maybe in the past I would sort of poo-poo that, but the more you look into it, it's entirely plausible that uh, they, could be, they could have been doing something like that. Um, you know, just testing out this stuff that you guys are talking about, these drugs and stuff, you know, see how, they, how it can be used, uh, weaponized or something. Yeah, there's certainly a a group of people that believe that's the case. I think like Adam was saying earlier, it is a complicated world and there's different shades of everything. I think there's different degrees. It, it's probably more of a spectrum than a right, uh right. you know, yes or no or all all encompassing answer. Uh, something that Adam and I were actually talking about, too, when we were discussing conspiracies once, is these guys that did uh, volunteer that we know, you know, confirmed, like the Unabomber was a former MK Ultra volunteer, and there, there's no guarantee that the things some of these people may have been subjected to, that what they ended up doing was the intention. There, there could be all kinds of side effect perceptions or, or beliefs and, uh, any, you know, the, the whole range of possibilities when 
you know, in a very literal sense, our federal government has been drugging people and not telling them and not telling them what the objectives are and what they're trying to do, then sure, I mean, you you got a lot of possibilities that could arise out of that, and they don't even have to be the intention of the experiment. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, because it could be a situation where it's like, oh, one of the, you know, we realized one of the side effects was uh, that these people, whatever, that being drugged is so traumatic, whatever this drug induces such a traumatic thing that their mind creates this teleplay of being abducted by an alien or something. You know what I mean? Who Mm -hmm. knows? Yeah. Yeah, it could be, it could come from all different sides kind of tying into that like talking about uh the um drug they were using at Guantanamo Bay they there were others too like mefloquine was one that um they they were administering to all of them in very strong doses that would um uh certainly cause degrees of psychosis and uh, paranoia, terror, and this was, in all probability, a lead up to uh, to to help the in, in intensify the fear of being, you know, tortured and interrogated, and so that that can leave you know some room to to wonder what kind of hallucinations people might have, where else might this be taking place. And, again, that's the problem with the real conspiracies is it op- it leaves the, dar- the door ajar then for what if they did that over here? What if they did that in this situation or that situation? And, you know, we, we have the instances, too, as simple as we, we do know unequivocally that, that – um, CIA and its uh, assets were dropping Mickey's in people's drinks, and in you know mid 20th century. So there's no telling what all kinds of effects people could have had after that, and hallucinations on the way home that never even knew they'd been drugged. And um, it, it'd kind of be surprising if there aren't some fallout from that. I don't I couldn't say of course to what extent it could be in the UFO community but it'd be kind of surprising if it hadn't affected some other aspects of popular culture without our knowledge. Yeah, yeah, it seemed that way. Well, the remarkable thing about a lot of this I was thinking about it's kind of a little bit off topic but in a sense it's uh I think it's kind of like why we still have a, an appreciation for all this, even though, you know, people may think we're cynical about it. It's like, uh, I think collectively amongst the, the four of us, we've heard like hundreds, hundreds probably of stories of like alien encounters, uh, you know, or contactees or, or, or sort of just like the tripping the light fantastic of, of possibilities, you know? And it's like, if just one of I mean, stands the reason that some of this shit has to be true. It can't all be wrong. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's, that's how I feel. It's like it's the sheer preponderance of, like, weird, crazy stuff 
makes you think like, yeah, well, you only need one white crow to to show that all crows aren't black. So it's like th- that's the exciting part about it. I think when people are like, oh, you believe this shit? It's like, no, I don't necessarily believe this shit, but <laughs> you know, there's so much shit that something has something has to be true. Right. And if it's true, it's it's like fucking the most amazing thing in the world because it's like there's aliens coming here. <laughs> it's like not, it's, it's not you know, <laughs> and it's, it's not a run of the mill thing. And if it's not true, what's amazing is that the stories have persisted for so long, despite not being true. So right, either way, it's either way it's fascinating, and, and I, I think in many cases people have experienced something that that we don't fully yet comprehend. And so, you know, the, the, the search should be for figuring out what they encountered, not trying to prove what you come into it already believing they encountered. And I, I think that's a distinction that's, that's sometimes missing. Right, right. I should clarify, in a sense, I guess, to some people, it's like, I just like to fly off the handle and speculate wildly, because, like, moments before I said all that, there was a part of me that was thinking, like, what if all this UFO shit is just not real at all? And tracing back to what we were talking about earlier with mind control and stuff, and more like the marketing idea and stuff, it's like, what if... What, what if the whole concept of this was just invented, like, in the 40s, and it just got wildly out of control, like a QAnon thing? Like, I think James Carrion kind of kind of got on board with that sort of idea that, like, the vast majority of this shit is just, just purely a 1940s version of QAnon that, like, got way, way beyond the control of the people who unleashed it. So it's like, I don't know what to believe. I, I, I'm down for any absolutely wild conspiracy. I, I, I must, I must note that uh, I dropped some acid in the late 70s and saw some – had an amazing UFO experience. Yeah, and, 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 so, and, yeah, it would it'd it be was, pretty it, common. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was it was beyond uh, anything I'd ever experienced before. And I, you guys probably heard this before, and I saw so it was incredibly intense experience. And uh, I mean, it's kind of molded my life. I'm just bringing that up because of Tim's question about uh, have these drugs been in you know, an influence on UFO culture. Sure, sure. Now, Adam, when you I, had I think, that experience, yeah. did you, did you like, I guess, do you think, do you think that was conjured by the drugs in your mind, or do you think that there was like an interaction with, a, with another, not, you know, setting aside like it's an alien from another planet, like we... You know, we that that would take. You know, that's highly speculative. Who cares about that? So it's like, did you do you think that that was just a product of purely of the drugs in your mind, or like that you connected with some kind of like other intelligence? Well, there's a lot of uh, moving parts with this story. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not a simple answer. The guy I saw the saw these with he saw the same thing and as we were seeing this shit we were talking about it and uh i mean it was all it was a saucer there was a cigar shaped one there was even a multicolored psychedelic thing with propellers i mean incredible stuff but the my relationship with the guy i saw it with we were uh we're still good friends we uh have a certain have written music together, that type of stuff, have a certain 
simpatico, you know, telepathy thing you have with certain people. So that's one element of it. There was that connection there, which definitely influences it. But before we even saw this stuff, we, we were joking with each other, you know, what if we saw some UFOs? Nobody would believe us, you know, and we started cracking up. And 15 minutes later, we started seeing this stuff. So did we plant some type of seed right. to make this happen? So there's a lot of elements there. But I also, to answer your question, I felt like we were interacting with something. Were we interacting with our own minds? Were we projecting this back and forth in our own minds? We were definitely seeing something up in the sky, you know. So over the years, I've entertained, like, a lot of different uh, theories of what we saw. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. I I, I have no answer for it at this point, and I never will. Right. But at least you had the experience, though. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was, it was bitching. Um, yeah. Well, it's 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 interesting. I think someone was going to chime in after I met on that rant above the possibility that this was all like he went, the UFOs were just queuing on that grew out of control. But I don't know if mm-hmm. anyone. <laughs> I was I was just going to say that I would I would find that to be to be awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I think that would be a really really fascinating thing if if we could document the origins of this and then track how the changes uh, to the narrative occurred and what bits of, of the, the pop culture and the, the various subcultures sort of drew from whatever the original, you know, sort of story was or, or added to it. I don't think we're probably going to find that, but just, oh gosh, no, I, I should write a novel um, <laughs> where this happens because that's such a neat, uh, such a neat idea. But uh, like, like Adam, I'm an ideas man, and so we'll uh, never. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that'll be like the ultimate conspiracy, where it's like there are no UFOs, but we can't. It's it's been 70 years. We can't tell people that because <laughs> now they'll, right. they'll look like even bigger assholes than if there were UFOs. <laughs> so we have to keep perpetuating this thing. Oh man. Well, uh, well, well, to tie back, there, there, there are UFOs, of course. Yes. <laughs> there will always be unidentified exactly. flying right. ships, but right. we don't know what it is. Right, mm-hmm. right. Aliens. I should replace that with aliens. <laughs> that's the that's the big thing. Well, the thing is, I, and I do this, and I shouldn't, but it's like it's it's like <laughs> it's like calling a calling the calling a facial tissue a Kleenex, where it's like, or uh, <laughs> you know, Netflix a, a streaming video service. Um, right. You know, I, I kind of just 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 stick alien on there as sort of like the catch-all now, where it's like or UFO. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, I think people know what I'm talking about. Where it's like, I don't know what the hell it is, folks. Like, no, right. we don't. It's none of us like, know. Good. Like a couple of years ago, well, when when the UAP thing started to uh, just you know somebody tried to make that happen. Um, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Don't say UFO because that, you know, got all of this sort of, you know, it's freighted with meaning at this point. It's like Kleenex or Coke or yeah. or Netflix or, or you know. Um, it's a toxic Band-Aid. brand. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, not, not that we're saying anything against the good people at Coca-Cola. So, you know, don't right, tell right. you. But, you know, um, you know it, it just becomes so 
so bound up with that that there's any way to um, to, to sort of get away from UFO at this point. I mean, I mean, hell, we've just only in the last 30 years really gotten away from flying saucer, which I think was a mistake. But um, but yeah, I think I think UFO is is gonna stick. I think it'll stick until. Like it, it's like the old wrestling canard. Uh, Eric, you'll appreciate this. It was like Hulk Hogan couldn't be replaced by another Hulk Hogan. It had to be Stone Cold, who was like the complete opposite. Where it's like Flying Saucer mm-hmm. was replaced by the very official-sounding UFO. Um, so now you have, you can't replace UFO with another official-sounding acronym. It's going to have to be some other <laughs> title for this thing that that no one really is going to see coming. You know, where you know that makes that makes alien sense. ship yeah. or something like that. Yeah. You know, or yeah, yeah. I can't even. I can't even. If I could think of it, believe me, I would. <laughs> I would think of it and copyright it, like that guy that wanted to copyright Secret Space Program. But I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should just. We should just all sort of brainstorm a bunch of possible replacements for the term UFO, and just you know trademark the hell out of them, and and then just file nuisance lawsuits, and and that could. Uh, <laughs> That could make up the make up what uh, what my retirement's lost in the, the last couple of weeks of the stock market. So I, I think <laughs> you know, there, there's a plan. Well, yeah, just don't invest it all in Iraqi dinar. That, that's yeah, a conspiracy. I'm, that's like that one you were talking about before. That was that was a crazy folks. There's people out there that think the Iraqi dinar is like worthless, and they think that like magically the U.S. government is going to like revive the Iraqi, whatever, the dinar. Um, and so they bought a ton of them at, like, rock-bottom prices. And they think that, like, they have millions of Iraqi dinar, and they think that somehow, I suppose, like, if you live to be, like, if you just keep passing down your dinar, like, maybe it might work for your grandchildren, but I can't imagine. I, 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 <laughs> I think it's a good idea, and I, I think in investing in, you know, Vietnamese dong or, or Guatemalan <laughs> quetzal would you know, be a good thing. But I remember about the, um, about the dinar thing. I mean, I first remember hearing about it. I remember my wife and I were listening to, uh, to Dave Ramsey, the financial guy, and people were calling in saying, should I invest in the Iraqi dinar? And he's like, are, are you stupid? Um, and, and so I, I did some <laughs> research. And, and the idea, I mean, it's sort of, I don't want to say it makes sense, but it sort of made sense in 2004, 2005, in, in the immediate aftermath of the, the Hussein regime falling the idea was you, you buy up these iraqi dinar and as as the um as the government of iraq is rebuilt as a u.s ally in the region the currency will increase in value um so there was, there was sort of a logical thing even if it was sort of overly tied to you know, invest in iraqi dinar if you believe in our troops ability to fix iraq um but but now I have no idea. There's no logical basis that I've seen for expecting the dinar to um, to increase in value, other than other than you know hope. Or the yeah, Trump. exactly. Yes, yeah, that, 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 yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like I think these people. I, I guess the, I guess part maybe barring the God Emperor Trump. It's like the only way that would happen is if, if like Iraq could somehow get back up on its feet and be like on par with the, these other countries. And like, like I said again, it's like maybe when, maybe for your kids, maybe not as far down as your grandkids, maybe your kids, um, 
you know, we'll we'll be able to reap the benefits of that. But Iraq's like a hellhole right now. It's like they're not gonna they're not gonna be like this thriving uh, part part of the global community anytime soon. How did I get off well, on that Tim, tangent? Um, oh God. Yeah, a minute ago you were saying you were saying you enjoy speculating, and all the time. I I I think it's important to recognize that. I think that's a place that that somewhere between the conspiracy theories and then people that claim they're doing um, research or or want to be recognized in in the by the scientific community for their work on the UFO mystery. I I think we could collectively do a better job in saying, well, here I'm speculating, and here's uh, here are the actual facts, and here's what I'm going to speculate they they indicate. And I, it seems like, again, it's a complicated world. There's a lot of different different positions on the spectrum, but some people, I think, really don't understand how to do that. And I think they really don't understand how if, that a fact isn't something that you really, really want to believe. Like, you can't just, um, <laughs> you, you can't wish hard enough or, or debate it hard enough to, to make it an established fact. And when when then there's other people that are exploiting that lack of understanding and intentionally being uh misleading and um if not outright lying they're they're uh, stretching the truth and so we start kind of having some documentaries and some companies and they they're people that are doing presentations that it's so clear that they had a desired point to lead the audience to from the start. That it, it's not an objective evaluation of data. It's not separating the facts from what they think the facts might indicate. And I think there's just a lot of problems there in, in trying to... Um, really exploit the public or like if some of these people do understand how to do professional research and present a, a point in a coherent manner, they're not demonstrating they understand it. And I, I'll wrap my point up here and thanks for, for letting me get this out mm -hmm. is it, if, you want to just speculate, as you were saying you do like to do, and I do too. Nothing wrong with that. Do it till the cows come home. We, we can talk about anything we want. But if people want to be recognized as a professional research source, or they want to be accepted by the scientific community, there are rules and protocols and best practices in place. And you can't take your football to the baseball field and want to be accepted as a baseball player. That's just not how it works. <laughs> exactly. There's a gulf between uh, saying what if X, Y, Z and uh, saying, X, you know, it is X, Y, Z. And there's too many people that are yeah. just like, they're so certain about 
this. It, it, it connects, what you're saying connects kind of to, I got off my train of thought earlier about this, but somebody was talking about, again, this thing where people are trusting the government and trusting the military and, you know, this time's going to be different or they're actually secretly on our side and stuff. More, more to the side of the UFO thing where it's like, okay, the government's really going to do it this time. Um, and I made the point that the, the, these people that are sort of so bullish on this idea, and God bless them if they're right. God bless them if they're right. I'll be, I'll be thrilled. I'll be thrilled. But I don't believe they are. Um, but, you know, they, they tip their hands You with the word, talking about words and the way words are used here, too. Uh, they tip their hands with the, the the way they've changed from disclosure to confirmation. Um, you know, they're they're tipping their hands and they're yeah. essentially saying, literally, they have confirmation bias. So so anybody who will who will contribute to confirming their belief system is is to be embraced and to be embraced warmly. You know, regardless of how dubious they may seem to be, and and if they make any mistakes along the way, if 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 you know, the emperor has has clothes is sort of the idea. No matter what, the emperor has clothes. So it's and that to me is kind of maddening. Like if you can't be an honest broker in this, you know, from your own perspective, I find it hard to to, to sit down at the table with you. That's kind of the best, you know. And that's that's a little bit rambling, mm-hmm. but I think I kind of hit most of the points I was trying to make. Where, yeah, you know. The folks out there who are who are really bullish on this stuff, and again, I, I hope they're right. But to me, I feel like they're essentially saying, "We give up. We 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 believe this. We we insist this is true, and so we're <laughs> out in search of whoever will, <laughs> whoever whoever will confirm it, whoever will give us the, the literally literally confirmation." Tim, saying I hope they're right is just throwing them a bone, you know. <laughs> Listen, Adam. I am the consummate. Right? I am the consummate paranormal politician. You know that. Come on. <laughs> hey, I, I got something else. We were talking about uh, patenting a new uh, name for UFOs. Yeah. I think I, I like flying saucers. I think we should. have Yeah, that. that's right. Yeah, that's right. I like flying it's saucers cool, too. Now, bring it back. We should bring back flying saucers. It, it brought to mind, bring us back to current politics here, but how it intersects with uh, shit Trump has going on, you know, with QAnon and Space Force and all this stuff. The guy he appointed. Oh, Space for, Force. Yeah, <laughs> Space Force is cool. Uh, Matt Whitaker, who he appointed, you know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. yeah. I'm, I'm on like the edge of my seat to see where this is going. Yes. <laughs> well, he uh, oversaw, or he's part of this group called World Patent Marketing. I think their name was. And of course, you know where I'm going. They were involved with trying to trademark a kind of uh, Bigfoot thing, and they also were doing some work with time machines, maybe hot tub time machines, and. A bunch of <laughs> shady shit, and they were trying, you know, they were luring in, it appears, um, veterans to invest in this. And uh, according to some reports, Whitaker was kind of working as uh, uh, somebody to hassle people who uh, hassled them for money when they felt they got ripped off. 
and probably the funniest little anecdote, and it isn't funny for the person who uh, paid them $4,000. This is where we get the patenting something. I believe this was a vet, and he wanted to get uh, basically uh, patent for uh, a uh, chicken and waffle sandwich, which he paid, oh, man. <laughs> which he paid uh, $4,000 for. Wow. <laughs> and when I heard that, it was My like, God. you guys, uh, wait a minute, a patent for a <laughs> chicken and waffle sandwich? It's like, Jeez. You know, man, get that is for a uh, that that is next level. That, that is <laughs> what I find wondrous now, is, I guess this is just the, the way the world works. But like, we found out all all this shit about this guy, and it's like it's like he because I, I guess he doesn't have to have a hearing or something. Um, it's like I, well, we're, yeah. we're dying to know, <laughs> like how the fuck he got mixed up with Bigfoot DNA and time travel. Like, have, just put him on the spot. Where it's like, dude, are you serious? Like, are you? Did you even read any? Like, how did you get mixed up with Bigfoot, man? Oh my god! And a chicken and waffle sandwich, and now you're the attorney general. This is insane. This is this is the natural outgrowth of, I think, Andrew Bassiago's presidential campaign as the time travel. <laughs> Candidate, I, I think he he opened the door for um, for this kind of uh, this this kind of, of nonsense. And I um, oh shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. I was going to say oh oh yeah um, about sort of the, the the people to whom Tim is is unwisely throwing bones and and giving hope to. Um, I am I am being <laughs> you know like super curmudgeon here. But I, I think, you know, this this whole this whole internet thing, um, the, the, the <laughs> idea of the of, of the of the attention economy, that um, you know, what gives you value as a a thinker or a speaker or somebody who has who has information, it's uh, it's YouTube views, it's, it's ad revenue. The bar to getting your ideas out there is is so low which you know as far as you know democratization of of information yay i guess but it you know there's there's you know every every man jack of them has a every man jack how old am i every man jack of them has a has a has a youtube you know a youtube channel with with all their yeah. videos and and to get the attention you have what's amazing is it's like there's a prohibition on saying anything interesting. It's all the same sort of thing. You can break it down into the ancient alien category, the secret uh, space program category, the TTSA, AATIP, you know, RESPECT <laughs> category. You, you, you can break them down into these categories. And, and within those genres, there's very little variation in, in what people are saying. And oh, there's variation in the way they're saying it, but um, but but it's it's amazing how 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 simple it is to get information out there, and how simple it is to to absorb a wide variety of of voices. As far as conspiracy stuff goes, I mean, you guys you guys are old enough that Tim, you mentioned uh, you know reading Jim Mars books, and I know that was sort of your entree into uh, into some of this stuff, but 
I remember back in the day, if you wanted to get into any sort of knowledge of, of conspiracy stuff or even UFO stuff, you had to actually read words. You know, maybe they weren't on a printed page. I read a whole lot of text files downloaded from, you know, gopher sites and Usenet and BBSs, but you had to read. Um, and that meant somebody had to write. And it wasn't just, here's my, here's my 10 minute YouTube clip about the secret space force. And here's a bunch of graphics I found on Google image search and tune in next time and be sure to hit subscribe. You know, it's, you know, there's the, 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 the bar is so low that, that there's, there's a lot of signal to noise issues going on right now. I think that's, that's part of, Part of, I think, my frustration a little bit as and, and a, a clearly elderly man who's 500 years old, it sounds like. But, um, but there's, there's just so much, so much crap out there. Sturgeon's Law has never been more, uh, more brutally true. You know, that you know, 90% of everything is crap, and, and that 90% is now absolutely huge. Well, it's interesting. Um, I got distracted for a moment. I just want I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna fucking tweet this out uh, right now. I'll retweet it. Um, this is like, let me see. Uh, I think you guys will really appreciate this. Uh, apparently, Jerome, Jerome Corsi, a document prepared by Special Counsel Robert S. Mueller's team as part of plea talks with conservative author Jerome Corsi, alleged that blah 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 blah. That's the little blurb. And there's like a graphic. That, <laughs> There and the graphic is like a dead match for for the parody of what of what uh, we ran for tonight's <laughs> tonight's show. Well, so yeah, if, if you click on he's one that he he's like if you a click go-to on the thing there, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's really uncanny because uh, that's that's essentially exactly what I was parodying. So, <laughs> oh my god, that's weird. It'll be. Um, it, it, wouldn't it be crazy if Alex Jones gets caught up in all this shit? <laughs> you, oh, that's an will. interesting point. He will. I, yeah, I think he may. I was going to connect that to. Uh, I was going to connect that to to all that we were talking about in the sense where it's like, I don't recall. As I said, we're all sort of like seasoned historians on all this, and it's like I've bemoaned, and I'm sure the longtime listeners going to be like, "Oh man," but I've bemoaned this just the way. The world has become enveloped in conspiracy. When it used to be this cool, kitschy thing that I was into, now it's like every yeah. you have to have a side in what is like a conspiracy world. And Alex Jones is a household name. When I got into this, he was like a nobody. Um, you know, he was like this rising star where it's like, he's pretty cool, that Alex Jones. And now it's like, yeah, oh, Jesus, yeah. he's just, you know, a monster. Um, well, uh, back in the day, pre-internet, you had to seek this shit out. <laughs> now you're bombarded yeah. with it <laughs> around the clock. Yeah, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think the first, the first, you know, inkling I had of Alex Jones's existence was, and I'm a broken record here, but um, when when Bill Cooper denounced him back in, mm-hmm. I think '99 or or 2000 or so, and um, he, he sort of. He, he sort of picked up pretty quickly that, at least at that time, Alex Jones, in addition to, you know, really being Bill Hicks, who faked his death, that, that Alex Jones was, was really just a, a showman who was mouthing a lot of 
conspiracy theory-ish kind of ideas and, and sort of, you know, making his reputation on his, his infiltration into Bohemian Grove, which uh, John Ronson has, uh, has written about. And, um, and he sort of started off as, as I don't know if, if Gonzo conspiracy theorist is, is a good way to put it, but he, that's pretty, he sort of yeah, had this, yeah. this goofy, this sort of goofy ass, you know, devil make hair. I'm going to infiltrate. Performative. It was like performative. And we're like, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It's performative conspiracy, con- performative conspiracism. And in the post nine 11 world, um, there, we're beyond parody sometimes. And, and so Alex Jones's performative conspiracism somehow became, you know, the the popular image of what conspiracy theory research or, or parapolitics, if you want to use that word, of, of what it became. Meanwhile, people who are doing like actual parapolitical work and, and writing like, like Adam, like Ken Thomas, like um, Peter Dale Scott and, 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 you know, people like that. You know, well, gosh, they write books. You know, Alex Jones is on my on my radio, on my TV, and, and on my computer. Yeah. It's a lot more digestible. And, and look at him scream and, and cry and, and get angry. And um, Alex Jones is a microcosm of what's happened across all types of media. Um, it, it's emotive and it's entertaining and it lacks depth. And yeah. and I, I think that's I think I think currently we are all sort of collectively victims of that shift. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. agree well, I with that. Live. Go ahead, Jack. I I thank you. I'd agree with that. I think that Jones's behavior became culturally accepted as like mm-hmm. a an option of a public relations stance. Like you can run a political campaign this way. You can run your corporation this way. Um, This is the strategy. And even as we were discussing or touching on Corsi and Trump and Q and all these different extreme behavior people, I was thinking then that I bet Alex Jones is kind of jealous that he doesn't like have some royalties from all that because he, <laughs> right, he, right. he was kind of a pioneer in that, you know, if you, it, and I don't mean to put that in a good way, but he's, he's certainly in the evolution tree. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. part of the, he's part of the DNA of it. Absolutely. Yeah, and to what to what Adam was asking in a sense, uh, I think I don't know. I think he's I think to his benefit, like uh, like Jack was saying just now, it's like I think he'll he'll probably be an afterthought and 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 possibly maybe skate by whatever's coming down the pike if there's like this massive wrap up of of the Russian conspiracy. <laughs> like I think maybe he may. I don't know. I think maybe he was on the periphery of the Corsi of the Corsi Stone Trump. Constellation, Russia, you right. know all that. I think maybe he was on the periphery, but I don't know. You know, it would be I, 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 amusing to me. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I I have a uh, Alex Jones conspiracy theory though with Russia. Ooh. Well, I know you like Ooh. went to work for RT and shit. Well, I think that I think that he's. I I, I don't want to like you know. 
say anything stupid, but, you know, I think he's probably mixed up in a lot of this stuff. Let's put it that way. Well, it's, it's circumstan- <laughs> circumstantial evidence, but let me see if I can lay it out for you, the timeline. So, and Aaron mentioned he read the uh, biography of uh, Bill Cooper, which is some great yeah. stuff. Recommend that to everybody. Um, in that, he the author and I forget his name now. What's the what's the title? Uh, Mark, it's uh it's called Pale Horse Rider and it's Mark Jacobson. Yeah. Well done. Very balanced. He you know, this mm-hmm. guy was uh I think he was a New York Times writer and looks at it in a very balanced way, you know, but he gets into the Alex Jones period and how uh, Alex Jones was influenced by Bill Cooper and uh how they kind of butted heads a little bit, but it, it also quoted, uh, like in 99, uh, and you can see this video on the web where uh, Alex Jones is like going off on Vladimir Putin. He's part of the New World Order, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. And this was before Alex was quite as blustery as he is, as he is now, but, you know, that's kind of interesting to put that into contrast where, in uh, 2007 or 8, he became, and that's what you mentioned, an expert analyst on Georgia, the Georgia region. Right, uh, right. You know, during that conflict for RT, RT started in 2006, and a lot of people, if you look at that film, Active Measures, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Ooh, I, I need to. Yeah, there, there's a flash that talks about really these psyops using the internet. They really uh, for Russia really started with the Georgia conflict, and RT was part of that uh, grand plan. You know, this was during the period where Putin had take out a bunch of indiv- you know uh, independent journalists had been assassinated, and independent media was getting. T- Taken out, and that's where he brought RT into the uh, picture. Yeah. Happened during that Georgia conflict. So if we watch, then the evolution of Alex Jones jump ahead a few few years. When yes, the, yes. When the uh, stuff started happening in the Ukraine, and that's when a lot of the Agenda 21 stuff started about. FEMA camps, uh, NATO forces were coming over here. I think all of that was Russian propaganda, and Alex Jones was spewing a lot of that stuff. The first time I heard George Soros <laughs> was behind all of this stuff, it wasn't that damn long ago. It was like 2015, and it was Alex Jones, as I recall. It just popped up on Facebook, and I go, what the fuck is that? You know, That seems kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Turns out during that period, 2014-2015, when the Ukraine conflict uh, started, um, Soros was, uh, he'd written op-eds and he was going after Putin in Russia, and that's when he, (laughs) uh, Soros became the boogeyman. And everything since then, you know, with 2016 election, was like Alex Jones and WikiLeaks and uh, even Trump. Exactly. All these alt-right guys are on, they're basically on the same page with their talking points. There's more evidence besides that, but anyway, that's my Alex Jones conspiracy. You know, it's circumstantial evidence, but oh, one other thing. 
<laughs> Kelly jo- Kelly Jones, who is uh, Alex's wife, who you know, this, <laughs> she yeah. She, <laughs> Where are we? What rabbit hole are we going down now? Yeah. Well, <laughs> she was a part owner of Infowars, and she's you know they had they had a uh, breakup, and they're going through child custody shit. But she's been drop- dropping stuff on uh, Alex. One of the things she dropped was a uh, Russian visa. Which was kind of weird. It's like, what the hell? Oh wow! Alex denies he's ever been to Russia, which all these guys do. But the other part of it, she says, in like 2015 or so, when Alex kind of hooked up with uh, Roger Stone, all of a sudden his followers or all the bots that are following got injected into his operation, as did one would assume more funding and that type of stuff. And yeah, you, see, yeah. you know, Alex Jones was popular up to that point, but he's even, you know, during the election, and of course he had Trump on <laughs> early on, it's like he kind of uh, exploded more into popular consciousness at that time. Right, right, exactly. You kind of articulated... I, I sort of went off on a rant, and I was like, I don't, I couldn't really put to words what I was trying to say. So, but, but you articulate really well. Where it's like, for those of us who've seen him from the beginning, he, there's a distinct and clear pivot where he was sort of like against throwing over the throwing, you know, over overthrowing the new world order, um, you know, and that sort of thing. To now as a mouthpiece of the government. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. That's that's a really that that's a profound metamorphosis, you know. And to me, it's like it's worrisome. It's worrisome. He was Mister uh, Mister All Against the Martial or Martial Law and FEMA camps. Now he's like, let's lock him up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What, exactly. I'm not sure. What's that fascinating about it too? It. What's fascinating about it too is that. It was all blamed on the, you know, the overlord government president, CIA. Then when your guy becomes president, you still blame it on this group that you're powerless to stop. That they they keep uh, uh, trying to undermine the president now. After you took the hill, you still don't seem to have the hill, <laughs> yeah. which right, which yeah. is kind of tough to figure out. But, you know, back uh, a few years ago when that conspiracy broke about that Obama was sending troops into Texas, the Jade Helm oh, conspiracy, yeah, and that, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, they were going to take all the guns and put people on cattle cars and into the empty Walmarts and all that. I semi-knew someone that was thoroughly convinced of that, and uh, he he would like hot. He would get hostile with me about <laughs> my my lack of agreeing with him. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was um, – I was just like, how does this work like with law that the president just says for somebody to, to go round up citizens? And it, it was just crazy. <laughs> the, the, it, it was – I mean, I know this gets used a lot, but it really was like arguing religion with somebody. 
<laughs> yeah. What, what now, at the risk of at, at the risk of being at, at the risk of being fake news, I could have sworn that I heard that they were using old WalMarts to put the the, the kids or the families they were detaining yeah, as they, they crossed were. the border. Yeah, so it's like the conspiracy theory came true, but in a way where it was yeah. like, we're, no, but they're, and it's like, and, but the people, so the people who were the most concerned about the old Walmarts <laughs> being used as concentration camps are now all about it. They don't give a fuck. And the, the, yeah, the, the same people. Yeah. This has got you written all over it. The Mets stayed in a Pittsburgh hotel that also hosted a convention of people dressed up as furry creatures. Oh, no. Is this Wilbot's worst nightmare? No, it's worse than my worst nightmare. My worst nightmare is mascots. <laughs> Look at that. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. What, what are they let thinking, me, Bobby? All right, let me tell you something. This is what, here's, here's the real story here. In 40 years' worth of being on the road, traveling around this great land of ours, checking into countless hotels of all stripes, here's what I've learned. There's a frightening amount of subcultures out there, Mike, and they all have conventions. <laughs> yeah, but you've never and seen I these people. I to understand one thing. I've never seen them stay away from me. That, thank you very much. They might have had some information, you know, whatever people looking into it back during the Jade Helm thing that they saw where FEMA had taken over some abandoned uh, Walmarts, you know. So there, you know, right, right, yeah. Perhaps a kernel of truth to that. <laughs> yeah, they ended right, up. Right, I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, yeah, if anything ever happened, they'd use an old Walmart, so we'll weave it into the story. Yeah. And oh, I've, so I've, what, what, I've seen those used before, like in. Uh, Different natural disasters. That's what they looked for. I was out in uh, Louisiana during Katrina, and they used like uh, empty uh, Sears buildings and that type of place. You know, for you know, it makes yeah. sense. I feel like well, I was trying to jump that. in, Aaron. What do you got, buddy? Yeah, I, I keep trying to jump in. Um, sort of going back to what what actually everybody was saying about you know. You know, what, what's what's different now? And it sort of connects to the, the you know the, the sort of UFO thing about why do we trust the government now? Why do we why do we trust these people to to use the WalMarts as detention centers now? And I, I think it all and 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 um, Jones's about face, leaving aside the the Russia stuff um, or part of the Russia stuff. I I think what it comes down to is with with Trump. I, I don't think there's been a politician. You know, not even not even you know back in the day, Ross Perot, a, a, a politician. Yeah, he's a politician. Uh, sorry, he's not just a businessman. Um, who has had such anti-globalist anti-globalist rhetoric, um, regardless yeah. of of which political party we've seen since? Oh gosh, since oh, you know, Coolidge maybe. Um, you know, there, there's, there's been a, you know, you could point to conspiracy theorists could point to things and, and everybody from Hoover up through Obama that, that sort of say, well, they're, they're secretly, you know, they're pushing a globalist agenda because that was sort of the, the trend in the Western world. And I think Trump bucks that trend enough that you're, you're able to throw, or conspiracy theorists uh, are able to throw part of the rule book out the window. Um, Trump changes the changes the landscape enough with regard to you know the the, the anti globalism that, um, that that it's okay if he does some of this stuff. 
because he's the only one we can trust to do it to the right. He's the only one putting the right little kids in the abandoned Walmarts. Um, right, everybody right. else would be doing it in the service of the New World Order. Trump's doing it you know, to make America great again. He's so, the great uh, disruptor. Think, That's what it is. He's like the he, great disruptor. Like, yeah, yeah. He is, and and I am so sort of innately anti-revolutionary that when anybody talks about he's gonna just just disrupt things, I'm, I get queasy. Like, no, please don't. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm I'm okay with with you know a government that functions, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that <laughs> I, I think that's that's the big the big difference is is, is Trump has um has has tapped into this. Of, of all the things, of all the trends to tap into, he's tapped into the the, the anti-globalist paranoia. Um, mm. But I, I think he has, and I think that's that's the difference maker in some of this. Now, part of the deal, though, is like you know when you think of the globalists, there are these guys behind the scenes doing stuff, screwing us, screwing the little guy over, right? right. All these yeah. secret deals and. And basically, if you know, you've looked at a lot of the reporting, that's what Trump, Trump's been up to with all these secret deals with the Saudis. It looks like mm-hmm. and Russia, you know. So it's a conspiracy within a conspiracy. Yeah, and I, I think there's an element of you know cognitive dissonance going along with this, that, that if Trump's doing it, then it must be in the best interest of those of us who support Trump. you got to trust him. Right, yeah. Tr- yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, yep. It's all, it's all of a piece. Which is frightening, because it feels like the, the, the rest <laughs> of us, certainly the four of us, are just, we're just like along for the ride, being like, all right, when the fuck's this ride going to be over? Because I've, <laughs> I've had enough of the great, I've had enough of the great disruptor, thanks. I'll be hopefully I'm you know barring God you know help us God barring some kind of like shenanigans I feel and hope that I feel like the I feel like the majority of the voting country at this point based on November anything can happen in the next two years but I I feel like people are just kind of over this this whole thing you know at least the people who are kind of in the middle I feel like the ones who are in the middle are. Or kind of tipped their hand, gave their indication earlier this month that they're, they're just over this whole disruptor thing. They're like, let's just get back to normal, please. You got to look at all the gerrymandering and that stuff that goes on too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I can only worry about one thing at a time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it, yeah, it was it was, it was definitely positive. Uh, Ah, oh, well, we're getting into politics, so never mind. It's, yeah, and I mean, I don't even mean – I could even pull the camera back a little bit and not even say, like, the the voting public. I just think that, like, the zeitgeist has, <laughs> has, had, has just had enough of, like, this fucking guy. <laughs> like, like, we, like, like, he's sucking the oxygen out of, like, human race. It's mm-hmm. like, dude, yeah. no, we we just do not want to deal with this this anymore. <laughs> just go and be a reality star or something, man. Like the world cannot revolve around you much longer. Yeah, the yeah, it does. I like yeah the anti-globalism and isolating 
the United States as a nation is is very concerning on a lot of levels, you know, not just military but financially too. Uh it it's a big picture thing and uh I don't think um I don't think a lot, a lot there's a lot of confidence that there is a plan much less to trust in it at all costs. Uh you know, he's He's been by the seat of his pants since day one, and it it it's from my seat. It looks important that my community uh, be able to uh, economically pass the money around. And um, as far as uh, self defense, that we trust each other enough, like right here in the town I live in, to not um, be on alert all the time and always worried about attacking my neighbor before they attack me. And I think that grows out, you know, into the county and into the state and uh, as a nation and into the globe that history and of course Aaron could could tell me if I'm right here but history generally does not smile on nations financially that wanted to do it all themselves and telling everybody to leave us alone does it no not not really i mean since since the 19th century well the the 18th century there's been this this you know economic globalization and until you know the last you know 70 years or so it was economic globalization for the benefit of a handful of you know imperialistic european nations and the united states and japan after a certain point um and then you know we we go to these sort of regional trading blocks that work with each other and, and there's been this this sort of you know you know neoliberal you know, breaking, you know, free trade movement and, and breaking down tariffs and, and things. And I will say just, just as a, as a teacher of history, I never in a million years dreamed that I would have a semester where I wouldn't have to explain to my students what a tariff was. Um, because mm. my, my entire <laughs> career, nobody, nobody, nobody knows, nobody under the age of 70 knows what a tariff is. And now, you know, everybody knows. It's why my car is so expensive. You know, it's why GM's closing plants. You know, that, you know, well, corporate bonuses are why GM's closing plants. But, um, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's, it, 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 yeah, this, this kind of, this idea of retrenchment and the idea that we can go all, you know, holly smoot on everything is, oh, that, that nerdy reference, but um, that, that we, that protectionism is, is the way forward is, is it's a weird sort of throwback. Yeah. 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 Backward thinking. Yeah. Well, it goes, it's in line with the whole idea of like, this is getting almost too political, but we'll, we'll pivot to UFOs <laughs> at some point, but yeah, it goes to the idea of like the whole thing where it's like, I'm going to bring coal back. It's like, why? <laughs> like, why, you know, just like why you're not reviving the travel agent industry, dude. Which probably there were probably more travel agents than there were than there were coal miners, but it's like who the fuck's helping the travel agents? Nobody. So you you know if your if your industry becomes obsolete, you find another job, man. 
It's propaganda, dude. There's no real logic behind it. I try to apply logic to this crazy world. Well, here's our pivot then. It it's it is propaganda and it's disturbing anyone wanted to believe that there would be coal mines thriving again to the extent they would put their trust in this guy. And and the pivot there is if, if you can believe what a career intelligence agent tells you that he's saying is off the record and don't tell anybody I told you. Or I can't go public with this yet, but I'm going to let you in on it because I want you to follow the leads. And it happens to be something that you wanted to think was true. That is, you know, stronger than three feet of new rope. And it's very disturbing that, uh, yeah, the, the whole coal industry thing was just campaign shtick. Yet yeah. it still works. Even now, it still works. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think my outrage was directed at the, <laughs> at the people who were, like, all about it, you know, who were like, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let people me ask you this, Jack. Well, what they want to believe. Let me ask you, Jack, because you're like a – here's – I'll pivot uh, – Back to UFOs in a sense, because I this is a question I'm interested in, and I think that Jack has followed this story, I think, close enough. I've, I've tried to follow close. This is a TTSA thing. But uh, Jack, as most people know, is pretty masterful at sort of digging up documents and stuff like that or knowing who else has documents. And um, I guess what I'm wondering is, like, we're coming up on, like, the one-year anniversary of this thing. Uh, is a very basic question, but like I find, I find that like I, I don't know I don't know the answer to it. Um, why why don't we have any information about this? It, like all all of the documents or any all the information we have about this group is is what they've given us, right? We we have no, uh, you know, FLIAs and all that stuff have produced nothing that we can use, you know, for research, right, or anything at all. Um. Yes and no. The the gist of your your question and and is correct. Yeah. Um there are some researchers that have uh dug up um enough information to um clarify to verify that some of these programs like the ATIP, I think they they call it did exist we're we're really handcuffed on to what extent and exactly what it did there's a lot of information going around that the custody of the documents isn't clear same old ufo stuff new new decade that yeah. we're not sure about trusting the sources as fate would have it, I checked my P.O. box, and just today I had an update from the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and I have three FOIA requests in with them on the 
A-tip stuff and Bigelow and to the stars, the meat of the uh, the story. And uh, it and you know how long ago I requested that months now. Yeah, yeah. And now my my closest one to the beginning, they tell me I'm like 960 or something on the queue in the queue and then there's uh two others i have that are still four digits so you know just wait and i really don't have an explanation uh we we haven't been you know there there's some good guesses but no we haven't been given a verified explanation from the defense intelligence agency that tells us why uh we don't have these documents yet. What's having to be uh, assessed? We just don't right. know. We're just waiting on it, and which really brings us to to a point that when you get all of this whispering in the shadows among uh, uh, intelligence agents or the consultants, and then the writers and the researchers. One of the reasons I started relying much more on the FOIA process and asking people questions on the record is it's against the law, and it should be, to be discussing classified information with people that hold security clearances. And I almost feel like there's been times in the history of the UFO genre that investigators almost wanted to get called out on the carpet by the intelligence agencies and investigated for what their interests were in certain things and why they were hitting up the uh, agency's personnel with questions because it's like, uh, you know, the old analogy of hitting a hornet's nest. Like, if you, and, and then I think they try to use that as evidence that they're on the right trail. And that's not yeah. necessarily true as much as if a guy won't talk to you on the record and you don't have documents, well, then just shut up. You know, I, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it's classified information, man, you know. Well, I'm going to say this, and uh, just I apologize for, for, you know, being effusive here, but fucking hats off to you, Jack, because um, – and I, I exempt present company excluded because we're buddies with Jack, so we're just leaning on Jack to do the work. So there's no need for Adam <laughs> or me or Aaron to – <laughs> also file FOIA because Jack, when Jack gets the shit, as you can tell, he's going to tell us. So, so, um, but but hats off to you, Jack, because every clown and respected person in this field has an opinion on this thing, and there's probably three people who have actually done the work to try and get you know the information from the government. You know, to try to follow up on this shit in a logical, uh, verifiable way. You know, everybody else is just content to go to just to, just to have a hot take. 
They just want to have a hot take. They don't need to do the research. They just, you know, it's a hot take culture. So, you know, I, I, I love you, man, for this because that, that's why I hit you with, like, the only real straight question of this, uh, this whole show so far because it was like, <laughs> okay, let's, let's get to the fucking bottom of this as far as what we can tell we actually know, which is just what these people say and I guess some documents <laughs> that confirm that this thing once existed. Yeah, like we can see the <laughs> there were calls for research proposals and things like that. Um, there, you know, there's some guys like I say that have done some good work putting the shell around it, but uh, it looks like it's going to be a while before we get the meat and potatoes. But thanks, Tim. I appreciate that and. I really appreciate you guys' work, too. Uh, I, I'm glad I have something to contribute because, you know, uh, if there's somebody that has a connection with everybody in this industry that's worth talking to, it would be banal. And Adam's work, he's he's got some great stuff coming out on misinformation and uh, as you said earlier Aaron is literally a historian and has just a great podcast going where he objectively looks at the stuff and it can really be fascinating from as these guys are doing just putting the verified facts on the table and saying now tell me what you think this indicates you know yep. like you don't have to spin it every time yeah, yeah. right I, I would i would say that that you know i i think you know i think you know tim especially the, that your style your voice and what you've done for for the field in terms of podcasting it, it's brought it to a level that I don't think many people have ever seen. Like, like you know, the oh, guy said, you. anybody, Jeez. anybody who's, <laughs> who's worth knowing, you have talked to. Um, so, so that's given you, I, I, I think, a, a, a breadth of of perspective on on what's been going on over the last, especially over the last fifteen years or so. And me, me, I, I don't really understand anything that's happened after about nineteen seventy four. So <laughs> in, in, the, in the UFO field, so um, I, I just think that's uh, that's uh, that's that's good stuff. I think you've got a lot of credibility just based on your ability that you've shown. Oh, thank you, man. I had a question for you actually. Now I had a as I had a very specific question for for uh, for Jack. I'm afraid now because I don't necessarily have <laughs> one for Adam. Oh, now I do. Okay, um, but but for you, Aaron. Because I consider you people. When I had you on the show, people were like, "It's been all passing the torch to Aaron." It's like, listen, dude, I'm fucking <laughs> Ric Flair. I'll never retire, man. I'll, I'll never retire. <laughs> but I'll I will say that Aaron is the Shawn Michaels to my Ric Flair. Okay, so that's oh. that's as a bonus. I think that's as high as a, an esteem. Or insert your favorite wrestler. Where I think Aaron will appreciate the Shawn Michaels. Uh, if, 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 I, if I can be the Arn Anderson to your Ric Flair, that would be fun. Oh, come on, man. You're <laughs> you're better than Arn Anderson. <laughs> come no, on, man. Nobody's better than Arn, man. That's fine, but um, That's true. And a hell of a promo. <laughs> hell of a promo. Um right. What I was thinking of today when I was thinking about talking to you guys is uh it's interesting because you and I, as people have probably surmised us now, we have a passionate interest in professional wrestling. 
Um, and we also, I hate to sort of dredge this up, but of course we are all members, card-carrying members of the Scheme Gene Research Community. We're not going to get into that, <laughs> but it bears mentioning. Uh, Scheme Gene RC on Twitter. Um, what I found interesting, I was thinking about today, um, thinking about tonight's show, was this, this uh, what I'm calling here in this question, the Patreon bubble, where it's like the the entertainment infotainment industry, if you will, has become so uh, compartmentalized that really it's it's like a feeding frenzy in a way. I'm not sure necessarily if it's a good thing, um, but every like like if you look at your cable bill, probably your your credit card bill, it's like chances are if you're like me, you're a consumer of this stuff. You know, you're dropping like ten dollars on Netflix and ten dollars on you know Hulu and. Ten dollars on WWE, and maybe you're throwing five bucks of this this podcast on Patreon. Like it adds up. It's really remarkable in a sense. It makes you wonder, sort of, where is this, where is this sort of like cottage industry of podcasting going when all of these shows they're competing for Patreon, Patreon dollars, if you will. Yeah, that's um, that's a good question because you know my my wife and I have had the annual. Uh, well, I've had the annual announcement. Can we look at all this stuff we subscribe to and figure out what we actually use? And I'm like, I use right, it all. Right. But um, so, you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the Patreon stuff. It's what I what I like about it as a a consumer is I can give money directly to the person that is producing the stuff I want to listen to. Um, and I, I think I think that's great. I, I you know best case scenario, it keeps it uh, it keeps it un uh, unsullied. Worst case scenario, we end up in a situation where there are so many people doing doing Patreon stuff and and relying and hoping that that's going to be the thing that breaks them you know out of having to you know be a Walmart greeter or Uber driver or something and, and allow them to, to make <laughs> yeah. money. Uh, to, to make you know, to make money in uh, in this business, whatever this business may be, that um, that it just becomes it just becomes overwhelming, and I'm just like I don't care about you know any of you. How many I mean how many Patreons or Kickstarters or anything like this have have we seen where where it just it just fizzles out, you know? Because especially yeah. if, if you're doing a, a podcast that you know it, nobody, despite what some people may think. It, very few people are making a living with their paranormal podcast, you know, it, you know, I, no, no, no. I, you know, and, and I've, I've been, people have been like, you should be on Patreon. I'm like, no, I shouldn't be because then, you know, I'd have like obligations to produce things and there hasn't been. Yeah. Really that's why I never charged a cent for my show. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yes, I haven't had yeah. a new episode in about a month because I was, I was sick and, and then it was Thanksgiving and, and then it was, Oh, oh my gosh, my job that actually pays the mortgage is, you know, very, very busy. So you know, I, I don't want that responsibility, but it can be a, it can be a, a, a sort of, is it a bridge to professionalism or is it a tip jar, you know, that we sort of get right. guilted into tossing our, our, you know, three bucks here, three bucks there. Pretty soon, you know, you, you, you're talking some, some real money. Um, I, I think it's, I, I think it's sort of, you know, it can cut both ways. I think it can bring, it can promote some great personalities in the field. And I, I think it can give, you know, every idiot with a microphone some, you know, hope that 
that this is their new career. And, and you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that it's hope, a real razor's edge. Will, will, that hope will be dashed very soon. They don't have Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a real racer's edge. Like, I, believe me, I don't begrudge anybody for getting paid for working in this field. So, no, um, I mean, I get no. paid for working in this field. So who the fuck am I to, you know, you should all be getting <laughs> getting paid. You know, if you're, I, if you're I, doing I, too much shit for free, <laughs> you're crazy. Um, I, think it's, I think it's fine, but, uh, you know, it's just like, yeah, tip jar, uh, something to, if you can cover your expenses, if you're looking beyond that, then you're looking at uh, putting in a lot of time, you know, to right, make, right. Make, well, what yeah. I can, I'm gonna, this is going to sound incredibly pretentious, so so I apologize. <laughs> but part of me, I see, I don't subscribe to any of these Patreons, so I'll, I'm 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 either really un, snob, an unbiased you're observer. A snob, huh? <laughs> Either I'm an incredibly unbiased observer or I'm just a total <laughs> asshole. Um, but, so I don't subscribe to any of these, but I see, I, oh, my thing, I see all the, you know, people people promoting their things. And it's like, I worry, and this is where I'm going to sound like a snob, I worry about the state of the art, where it's like, <laughs> are people, it's like they're more interested in, in appeasing like their, oh, their yeah, right, 35 right. Patreon subscribers yeah. so they'll you know and it's just like we're, just we're put making, out your shit man yeah I'm, I'm making a special episode for all my uh patreons or however you say that that only the insiders will get so subscribe here and yeah spending time fixated on uh <laughs> that you know just yeah it's i i uh i subscribe to one to one Patreon, it's, it's a it's a pro wrestling thing, and uh, it's, uh, Tim, it's, it's uh, Tony Schiavone's podcast, where they basically oh, yeah, MST three K old pay per views, and it's hilarious. And you know, I you know I I, I like it because there's there's some extra shows, and and Tony Schiavone, who is a, 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 a you know wrestling announcer for you know twenty years, he actually called me on the phone, and we talked for like like fifteen minutes, which was really really cool. But um, but yeah, that's that's really it. And and that's because, you know, I was, you know, listening to the show for a year and I was a, I was a fan, you know, it would, it takes a lot for me to, to kick in that, that 10 bucks a month or whatever. And I, I think there's, you know, like, like you said, Adam, I think there's going to be a lot of people who, who think that, you know, if they, if they build a Patreon page, you know, people will be so enthralled by their extra content that they won't somehow magically piss off, the bulk of their listeners who aren't paying anything. And then, you know, you've got a right. rapidly shrinking audience. Exactly. Yeah. It's a real razor's edge, you know? So to me, it's like, it, cause it, yeah. Cause as a, as a, as a person who I can say, <laughs> there was one, there was, there was one of these supplemental programs involving a character named Teddy Bear that I really wanted to listen to, but it was like, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I, first of all, I couldn't subscribe, but I, <laughs> because the process was incredibly complicated, but it was also like that's all anyone wants to hear, dude. Put put it on the free show. <laughs> Why? Right. I'm not going to fucking pay for the you know. You're, you're not pulling the wool yeah. over my eyes. It's clear what you're doing. You're holding the best shit back for for the thing. Or you know, sort of sort of the flip side of that, and and just you know, if, if I can just you know be a be a jerk about about people's podcast. Um, 
when, when they, they, they talk about what's on their, their premium or Patreon or, or whatever thing, and, and it's, it's something that is, that is clearly worse than what they're putting out for free. It's like, why would I want to pay money <laughs> yeah. for that? That, that sounds right. terrible. You know, you're, you're, you're doing this all wrong. He should be. Seriously, I mean, I don't like it. Here, here are all the inside the, chat we had before we started the show. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Like yeah. Our conversations in podcast form. But, um, you, you know, from a business perspective, yes, put the good shit on, on Patreon. Don't, you know, here's the, the, the great stuff for, for free if you listen to this, you know, Blue Apron commercial. And then, you know, if if you give me 20 bucks a month, you'll get to hear me talk for 15 minutes about, you know, you know, why, about how all the stuff in my basement, you know, got mildew because of a vent that was clogged, and that's <laughs> yeah. my story for this week, or, or something like that. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, can I just keep you guys a little past the hour? We'll just wrap it up here with uh, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll just wrap it up with some sure. fun stuff with Adam, and then we'll keep, all right, cool. Yeah, you're ex- <laughs> thank you to all the live listeners. I hope you all are having fun. This is pretty much how I hoped and envisioned this conversation would go. After I was I was like I was no Sully Sullenberger taking the plane off from the runway tonight, but um, <laughs> I think we I think we hit cruising altitude pretty well, and it's been a, it's been a fun ride tonight. Um, and, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Aaron, where it's like, yeah, where it's like the leftover shit where, where it's like, and then there's a half hour, we're just going to talk about the guest and say shit that we forgot to mention during the show and, you know, bring up points that we wish we had said when the guest was on, but we didn't have the balls to say it. So we're going to, well, you know, one of the big issues I had with the guest was now that they're not here to respond. Tim, how do, how do you know if you don't subscribe to any? Patreon, that's what's going on. <laughs> because I see the thing, and it's like, I see the thing, and then it's like, and then Billy yeah. and Bob discussed this week's guest, and they talked about what the guy talked about. And it's like, well, <laughs> gee, I don't, <laughs> I don't need, like, I don't need the director's cut, man. Like, geez. Now, I've been to guest on some <sighs> podcasts where they, they have me stay, you know, an extra 15, 20 minutes, and, and it's, it's stuff for the Patreon subscribers. And and the, the, the couple of ones that I've done, and I won't mention them, but but they're, they they ask, you know, it's like, it was just like a little bit extra, like, you know, just like that 20 minutes more. It wasn't anything super different, but it was good stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and so I was like, well, this That's is, fine. This That's is I a, like, actually. This is yeah. a neat idea. I like, I like that. I like the idea that, you know, this is, this is just a little bit more. It's not something completely different to what people would be expecting. Otherwise it's, we've got, you know, these three questions that were a little weird and, you know, we're saving them for, you know, the hardcore the post-show. fans yeah. of the show. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I think that is, that is so cool. And I always love whenever anybody asks, you know, can you stay and, and do something extra for, for the, the Patreon people? I'm like, hell yeah. Why wouldn't I? That's, you that's when you ask for some money. Yeah. I've, I've yeah, never yeah. been able to figure out how do you ask for money, Harlan Ellison style. Yeah, if you pay me, otherwise I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm just way too Midwestern to ask for money. It's like I, I'm more like you know, well, golly, can I pay you for the privilege of, of just talking to you? Golly, I, you're so nice. Um, 
I'm, I'm yeah, it's especially tough in this field because, like, there's there's this prevalent attitude. And, again, I said earlier, like, I, God bless you. If you can get paid for this work, please do. But there's, like, this mm-hmm. prevalent, obnoxious attitude. It's not like in a lot of – it's not like in music or, or, or film, really, or anything else like that where it's like, you're a truth seeker, man. How can you this – should, this should be free for the world, man, where it's like, no, dude, it shouldn't, you know. It's like if you have a subscription yeah. podcast, go for it. <laughs> but yeah, but the, I, to, to, to have the attitude where it's like everything here should be free because this is bigger than like money. And the thing that upsets me is that it, the people who say that they they they're the ones who have like jobs and shit and don't and don't devote their time to making free shit. So it's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> like like come on, I'm supposed to work and make free shit while you just work and 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 consume free shit. That doesn't work for yeah, me. Yeah, that that's a that's a that's a big issue because I would I mean I, I've got a I've got a day job and I would I would never ever begrudge anybody the you know the the you know ability to to make money on their on on anything creative they do I I, I think I am I am so lucky that that I can do a podcast as, as strictly a hobby to give me an excuse to you know buy mixing boards and stuff, you know, it, rather than, you know, this trying to be something I want to make a career out of because, you know, I, I don't. And, you know, yeah. so, so I will, you know, put people in a position to possibly choose between giving money to me and giving money to somebody who's, who's trying to make it, you know, because you should always give money to the person who's, who's trying to make it. Don't, don't give money to me. I, I, I would just buy like vintage transformers and, and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. I pro wrestling videotapes. I, I, I don't give me your money. It'd be, it, it, it'll end badly for my family, but um, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, I, I, I love, I love the idea that, that there are avenues now where people who are, passionate about these these creative endeavors have a way to go directly to people rather than having to work through some sort of complex system um like back in the day uh and and probably end up with nothing and i i think sort of like like adam said you know if you don't have any talent you're going to be pretty disappointed when you try to make a career out of it because you know nothing's going to happen but we we've got systems now in place where people with talent can can you know make a little bit of of uh, of money to sort of support their costs that way, and I think that's I think that's cool. Right, right. And the other part, yeah, the other part of it too is, uh, like I, I think we're, it, I try to be out of the bubble as much as possible. But in this in this, I guess it sounds arrogant. In this rare instance, I'm in the bubble. In this rare instance, I'm in the <laughs> bubble. In a sense where it's like, as I framed that question, sort of about the the Patreon thing, it's like. People sometimes forget, I forgot, that, uh, you know, the shows we're thinking of, the shows we're familiar with, they're competing with, like, this. there's just millions of these Patreons for all kinds. Like you said, Tony Schiavone has one. Um, you know, I'm sure if, if Adam looked, he could probably find a San Francisco Giants Patreon podcast or something like that. And that's kind of, I guess, okay. what I meant by the, in a sense, the, the Patreon bubble, where it's like, I, I wonder... If everybody, if everybody is charging three bucks for their shit, like everybody's only getting three bucks. <laughs> like, it's just like right. at the end of the day, they're gonna look at this thing and be like, okay, well, I made, you know, three hundred dollars on this, but I also subscribed to like fifty Patreons for three bucks, so it's almost a wash. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I sort of equate the, the Patreon thing for, for podcasting to the the ability for for people to uh, to, to sort of I, I, I what do we call it indie publishing now I don't want to say self publishing yeah. because that you know that that sort of has a connotation but but indie publishing you know print on demand stuff you don't need to go through a publisher and and so that. It's the same sort of thing, you know. There's a you know high risk, high reward as a consumer, right? It's like here's a book yeah, that looks yeah. interesting, but but nobody thought this was worth selling except the guy who wrote it. So you know, <laughs> I've got to I've got to you know, if a book's from an established you know an actual publisher, at least somebody's got some skin in the game, you know, besides me. You know, so it, it, it's, you know, there's a whole bunch more stuff out there and you can find some great stuff. Um, and, and I, I think it's, I think it's a good thing, but it also gives everybody the idea that, that just because they can publish a book that they should publish a book. And I'm not sure that's entirely healthy uh, for them. You know, and you know, having having written books that have sold very few copies because they're only being bought by like research libraries, you know, it, it you learn to sort of disconnect your your ego from sales numbers because otherwise you'll cry. But <laughs> yeah. if if I'm publishing this thing myself, then it's all of me. You know, if I publish it through a publisher and it doesn't sell, it's like. <laughs> suckers you know you're the ones who pay yeah, yeah exactly but you know but it's you know it, it this i love the do-it-yourself ethos that comes from this but it's exhausting you know as, as a consumer and and i assume as a creator to to be responsible for everything yourself and be responsible for vetting all of this self-created indie stuff that's out there now yeah, yeah that's, that's a good point of what all of our voices being raised leads us to with the social media and uh, any of us could make a podcast or, or print a book is it, it gives this illusion, especially to um, certain demographics that might be less desirable to be in that opinions are equal, that all opinions mm-hmm. are equal. And yeah. that's not correct. Like like when we were talking earlier, I might think I have an idea of what's happened in history when nations financially isolate themselves, but a historian knows. And the, these guesses aren't equal because we each can tweet or we each can can uh put a post on a blog and uh yeah there's a whole lot of voices out there and some of them shouldn't have gotten louder but they did yeah yeah well i, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's for sure yeah yeah well it's interesting to see at the risk of all of us going on other tangents, it's interesting. <laughs> I feel like, again, we're, we're, I feel like we're sort of elders in the sense of this thing. Um, 
And and my our, our I think our mutual friend. I think everybody here knows Walter Bosley. Um, you know, he yeah. was expressing yeah. to me the idea that like, and I had talked previously about sort of like I think when we look back on all this, um, like the last year is going to be seen to those of us who are sort of like really hardcore into this stuff um, as like a profound transition year, like the last two years or so, you know, because we lost like Jim Mars, Art Bell. Uh, Stan's retiring. Brad Steiger died. Um, it's like there's, there's, it's like we were kind of, we, I felt like, I, I, like the frog in the boiling water who sort of like got a, a flash of reality where it's like, well, okay, things really are changing. We're really in a, in a deep transitional phase in this whole, in this whole field where it's like the legends are, are, are dying out at a faster pace. Than ever, and there really is quite the vacuum of of voices, and I think that's why you're seeing sort of like this this you know uh, desperation or or like breakup into smaller factions and stuff like that of of, of opinions and things like that because there's there's really no centralized even like uh, paranormal zeitgeist, if you will. All the legends are <laughs> are are leaving us, and it's like. They never, we never really, uh, in the wrestling parlance, we never made new stars. So right. there's no, uh, there's, yes. there's no one really to carry this, and so that's why you see things like QAnon and 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 the TTSA sort of like filling that vacuum of like, okay, well, who are we going to put on TV? Right, and I think another thing you see with um, with, with with established um, stars, if you will. Um, either, yeah, like Alex, exactly. Back, like Alex Jones. That's how Alex yeah. Jones has risen to the top. It's like because it, you know, because there's no <laughs> who's left. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, as as these established people back away, um, either because they've died or because because like like you know Sam Friedman. It's like Jesus, let the guy take a nap or have a break. Yeah. Right? he's been he's been going nonstop yeah. since like 1967. Um, what you have. Are, are are you know a, a new generation of, of of people coming up who 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 want to sort of make their bones in, in in this field and and honestly if you are out there being aggressive and trying to make your name in the UFO or paranormal field please just go get a real job or a hobby or something yes. because because yes. this is it's so sad um, yeah. but you know it, it's like well, you know, I'm going to look at this this thing from from 30 years ago that that you know everybody you know sort of sort of shat on, but now I'm going to I'm going to talk about why it's it's the most important thing ever, and um and and I haven't seen it yet, but uh, hopefully I, I will. The, uh, the the Bob Bob Lazar documentary is coming up. He was silent for 30 yeah. years, and now he's speaking. Well, who cares? Who cares? Smart people have pointed out that there's no real evidence to back up anything that anything was not not that Lazar isn't a smart guy who was involved in interesting work, but that doesn't prove anything about UFOs. But you can make a video with lots of giant letters on a screen that look dramatic and you know, sort of say, Hey, it's Bob Lazar. Hey, it's people looking for a payday. Hey, it's people trying to be relevant. Hey, it's people getting on podcasts. 
says a guy who's on somebody's podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, you, you go out there and you say, well, you know, 20 years ago, Sam Friedman or whoever said that, that Bob Lazar was, you know, that the story was, was you know, a fraud or fake or, or whatever. But, but I'm, I'm, here to prove it's, I'm here to prove it's real, you know. Honestly, you know, honestly, good for you. Good for you. You're, 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 you're getting a payday out of it. I will not begrudge anybody a payday. But, um, but I would, and I'm getting, I'm getting grumpy. But I, I would just caution anybody who's excited about glomming on to the guy getting a payday out of rehashing a 30-year-old story that you might look dumb for glomming onto a guy who's rehashing a 30-year-old story. Um, because, honestly, you know, go to Wikipedia, you can rehash a 30-year-old story just fine. Yeah, yeah but, I, you know, I, I, I... Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. I was, I'm, I was going to say... <laughs> I was going to say that I... I agree with that, and I think this is also part of the evolution that Tim was talking about. Some different things are going to get tried to plug them in and see uh, how different types of media work, if some stories can get recycled, if there's anything that uh, can, can actually be dug up that would shed some light on some of these old stories. The standards of evidence are really questionable, and as I was saying earlier, I think sometimes people don't understand that, and I think sometimes they do understand it but try to take advantage of people that don't understand it. But don't you guys think that also this is something that's going to play a role in this as we're, we're getting a younger group, that are trying to promote some different things from, uh, you know, secret space programs to uh, Bob Lazar to TTSA. And something else that I think is going to play a role in this is the the UFO conference itself is going to have to take another evolutionary step. Something's going to have to be done about the main media. As Aaron was mentioning, the books have kind of fell by the wayside, and, and a lot of it's uh, available online through video. And it's just not practical to run conferences anymore, the amounts of money that go in them. And if the objectives aren't number one to turn a profit, maybe some things can be done. But don't you think that the UFO conference itself is going to get an overhaul? Yeah, I think that's kind of happening. In a sense, it's slowly happening. We're kind of seeing it happening in a sense where it's like, uh, at the very least, you're seeing more niche conferences, you know, where it's like that. They have just a secret space program conference, um, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And also, uh, now I haven't been to them, but also like sort of like theme conferences. Um, Like I think the Contact in the Deserts one is like a kind of a themed conference in a sense are, are people like hanging out like in the desert literally um at a, at a, i don't know if it's like an outdoor venue or or what but it's like 
<laughs> Adam, you've been there. Is, what, is, what the hell is the layout of the cottage? Is it like a Well, I, I'm familiar with the area. I haven't been. So that's a weird thing about that uh, contact in the desert, according to reports. <laughs> oh, here we they've go, get, yeah. They've been getting huge crowds, you know, the last few. They started, yeah, it's popular. Like, yeah, so in that sense... It's like the Coachella UFO, of, of UFO conferences. Yeah, like UFO young, conferences for real, for aren't, real. aren't dying. I would expect it to die out, you know, but... Uh, so, yeah, I've g- gone to UFO conferences in the day. They seem... I have no interest <laughs> in going now, but as long as they can find some angle to attract... Uh, new people uh, to those, you know, it's like the Tom DeLong thing, uh, the uh, UFO Congress, which is probably, w- with contact in the desert, the two big congresses, they, uh, two years ago they had DeLong as the UFO Researcher of the Year. And yeah, yeah. La- this last year was Lou <laughs> Elizondo, so they're, you know, they're <laughs> trying to they're work all in. young Younger yeah, audiences to bring them into the uh, thing, but uh, yeah, at this point it seems like a pretty outdated idea. UFO conferences with things you can do with streaming media. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think. Well, I think just just yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Aaron. So go ahead, I was Aaron. gonna say from from like even you know sort of straight up academic conferences are are you know starting to change a little bit from the the old. You know, here is a session where, where, you know, three people read papers and then people ask questions that are really just statements about their own research that, that are unrelated. That's beginning to change as well. There's a, a phenomenon called the sort of known as an unconference where everybody at the beginning of the first day gets together and sort of there's a, a schedule on a whiteboard and you sort of talk about, to sort of mention what topics you want to talk about, and then people who are interested in those topics just go and discuss them um, rather than having formal presentations. Now, if we could, I'm not sure, with the personality-driven culture of the UFO field and the paranormal field, that probably wouldn't work because everybody is is going to want to hear Nick Redford talk about whatever Nick Redford is talking about at that particular conference, for example. but in, in terms of conferences where maybe you don't have the budget to bring in big names, but you have a budget to bring in some people who are sort of medium names and that you're able to market it as you're not going to hear them give a talk. You're going to talk with them. Um, right, right. And, meet and, and greet. Sort of you got to like, them. yeah. Yeah, meet and greet, but also, you know, how can – you know, because what qualifies somebody as a UFO investigator? You know, jack shit, right? You show up and you're a UFO investigator. Come talk with your peers, including these people you may have heard of or heard on podcasts and things like that, and you're going to be talking about these ideas and, and discussing new ideas and finding ways to move forward. Not quite an invisible college idea, but what if we made UFO conferences or paranormal conferences into opportunities for for collaborative work and discussion rather than listening to celebrities talk about their celebrity UFO ideas. Yeah, paranormal celebrities, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I can't – well, I will speak for Aaron because I think he'll say yes. So we'll, I'm going <laughs> to propose an idea we'll on the part of Aaron and I that uh, – 
someone in the in the paranormal field should steal the idea going around the wrestling field of doing a conference of par, of, of podcasters. And uh, since yeah. I gave them the idea, they have to invite me and Aaron. So, but that was <laughs> that that would be a cool a cool conference that was just like a string of podcasts. You know, instead of the presentations, it was like podcasting mm-hmm. right there live. You know, with yeah. people and people that's, in the audience that's interacting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. Um, that's a that that yeah. is nice. That's a good idea. Yeah, but I, uh, much like our friend Adam here, uh, I'm an idea man. So all, <laughs> all I'm saying is Somebody get on someone that. who's willing to fork over the money to fly, fly a bunch of paranormal podcasters to Kansas City yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you, you don't want just, to deal with the details. You'd be happy to show up. No. Right, yeah, no. right. <laughs> right. I, well, I, I, well, I, I thought about doing a conference. Center, but there's the idea. I thought about doing a conference once, and uh, somebody – Jeff Bellinger, who's a pretty big name ghost writer, uh, literal a ghost <laughs> a writer about ghosts, not a ghost writer. Um, he told he he we were talking about it, and he quickly dissuaded me of the idea because he was like, "You could take the time you work to put on this conference, and this this should go to all to all the people who are just sitting around and their only form of work is paranormal podcasting, and just." Take that time and just go and, and just like do the math and figure out what you'd make at McDonald's, and you're almost certainly <laughs> going to make more more money putting that time in at McDonald's. So like, as long as you're willing to yeah. like lose money or <laughs> work, you know, work for free or barely make any money and put that money toward the next year because you're so psyched that you made money and shit and had such a good time. It's like if you're if you're trying to like make money off of that, you're it's crazy talk. You know, so you have to be cognizant of that from the very beginning. And at that point, I was like, well, fuck it. I'll probably just go work at McDonald's. Yep, yep. <laughs> There's a lot of different skills that can go into the different aspects of this, too, that if it doesn't happen to coincide with your day job, it can just be impractical to take it all on. Like like with the writing um it, it might be kind of fun to write, but then, uh, you know, there's the the editing, the proofreading, the literally putting the book together, even if you do your your own publishing gig. And then, like, with the conferences, Don't yeah, the travel is a big... Yeah, yeah, rejection. The the travel's a big deal. But then even with that, you know, it's altogether different skills to be able to um compose, put together a an effective and engaging public presentation. Public speaking is altogether different than podcasting or writing a blog and then these are a lot of hats to wear to be good at it, to be a hobby that in many cases we actually spend money on rather than make it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. you're right, yeah. Tim, that people need to be well advised and and think about what what they're hoping to get out of um, a little UFO research and, you know, interviewing a person or two. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like anybody who's who gets into this to be rich and famous, 
you're it's like almost certainly not going to happen. But you can probably this is like the most honest advice I can give you. You're almost certainly not going to get rich, but you may become like like UFO famous. And if you if, if that's <laughs> yeah. something that like will you can get off on, then <laughs> then then keep doing it, man. I guess. But to me, that, it's that, like that's like the, that's like a great name for a movie, UFO famous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be a great a movie, do, like about like an, an abductee or something. You know. <laughs> so yeah, Any, I mean, anyway. if, if you're, yeah, if you're yearning for validation, like you may be able to get it in this field, but at the same time, it's like it's ho- it's get hollow, it, dude. Get into something else if you. somebody on one of the ufo forums the other day said they're just arguing about semantics and someone replied that would be a great name for a ufo forum (laughs) yeah that's pretty much yeah yeah that's that's it it's pretty uh it's pretty it's pretty wild We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the future. I guess I'll wind down now because I've already grabbed you guys for an extra half hour. Now, Adam, I did have one question for you. I teased it when we were talking, uh, setting this thing up. Hmm. I'm afraid the answer is no, but maybe you can piggyback it into something. Did you ever? I think you're the only one of the. I know you're the only one of the four of us who even may have had any interaction with Bill Cooper. Did you ever deal with him, encounter him, communicate with him, or anything like that? No. <laughs> Oh, well, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. Did Ken ever? Did, did Ken ever? I assume Ken must have fucking run into him. Oh, you know what? Uh, I think Ken did, and uh, there's a little bit of a well, not really a story, but uh, in uh, they had a couple of conferences out in uh, Atlanta in the late '90s called Phenomicon. Yeah, which which were kind of a big deal it's back the late in the 90s. day. Yeah, no, late nineties and. Uh, no, I mean that's such a late nineties kind of like. I'm just imagining yeah. like the font and everything. Phenomicon. And, and so there was a lot of cool people there. I remember hearing about them, like, uh, and they did them a couple of years. Robert Anton Wilson, actually, Kerry Thornley, he was in Atlanta. Nice. He showed up there, like uh, Ivan Stang and. All these people, and well, Aaron will know about this in the uh, Bill Cooper book. It talks about one of those conferences, and Ken Thomas was on a uh, panel with Bill Cooper, and Ooh. Robert Anton yeah. Wilson was on that panel too. And they actually did some kind of uh, Ivan Stang of the Church of Subgenius was there. And he started some ritual initiation to Bob Dobbs or Eris or somebody, <laughs> you know, like a uh, spoof religious uh, thing to the Illuminati gods. And uh, Bill Cooper got all pissed off about it. And I, I bring that up also because a friend of mine in Atlanta has a lot of this video that nobody's seen for years. He got it a couple of years ago, and we started talking about putting it up on my Historia Discoria site, so I need to check in, in on him with uh, that. But uh, anyway, that's a little story. All right. Nice. You, you, yeah, you don't sound too thrilled about my story, but... 
<laughs> I do. Wow. I was hoping for like some situation where you were like threatened or, or like Bill Cooper. <laughs> I, 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 I could have made up something. something where I, I got in a fight with him in a bar and he took off his uh, fake leg and hit me over the head with it, and uh, that would have been totally believable. He he was prone <laughs> to do shit like that. <laughs> exactly, and I, I I'm seeking confirmation on that. Oh man! <laughs> but I, but I, you, I, you know back, that, that story that, now. Back back in the What's day, that, Aaron? You know, oh, I, I'll say Go I mean, ahead, Adam, Adam should just like from, from this point, he should just tell that story as though it was true. <laughs> and, and, yeah, exactly, definitely. It was, well, yeah, if you would have gave me ten, you know, more of a heads up a week ago, <laughs> I could have come up with something. <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny just to close out. Uh, yeah, bet, I actually bought a shortwave radio back in the day because different friends were talking about Bill Cooper, and you could only hear him on shortwave broadcasts. So <laughs> I bought a, you know, explicitly for that purpose, a shortwave radio to listen Bill back in the day. And uh, it was quite an experience. He would uh, go on there, and it was quite obvious a lot of times that he was uh, drunk off his ass, and he'd break callers, you know. I need a show like that. That was the glory days, yeah, of uh, shortwave radio patriot uh, broadcasts. Yeah. He, yeah, he, paved, well, the, he the, paved the way. Yeah, that's the fun thing about uh, the way it used to be compared to <laughs> being being grumpy now. But yeah, the way it is now where it's like you had to seek out the shit. Now it's like you're inundated with it. Yeah, true. You know, you know, and even if you're like, I mean, we're inundated because we, you know, we're friends and follow a bunch of people and sort of have this like interconnected community. But it's like if you just get into this, you could, you know, I've told the story a million times when I first got into this field. It was like I was turned on to that X conference in D.C. So I was like, I initially dipped my toe in the water to like the exo politics movement. I'm like, these guys are really on the ball. They're they're really gonna <laughs> figure it out. I haven't. I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't followed UFOs in 15 years since I was in third grade. So apparently they're apparently they're really close to getting the government to tell the truth about it. And that was like in 2000, yeah. and that was 15 years ago. So, so you know, <laughs> it's uh, you, you, you get involved in this stuff, you could jump into the wrong thing, and next thing you know, you're a card carrying member of like some real fringe point of view. So, well, yeah. yeah. At, at some point, when you keep hearing the same shit over and over again, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, Maybe, that's what happened uh, to me, where it was yeah. like, wait a minute, now you, yeah, 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 hold the phone. <laughs> the government hasn't said shit about UFOs, and it's been like two years since I first fucking heard about you guys, so. And and you hear yeah. whoever, Steve Bassett or whatever, it's like, okay, you're saying this thing. Two years ago, he were right. The uh, countdown disclosure clock. He used to have a radio show or a website where it was like, yeah, we're like two minutes from yeah disclosure, and I have yeah, yeah. source. Oh yeah, it was like the, yeah, it was like the doomsday clock. Yeah, <laughs> and then they've, yeah, whatever, whatever, Steve. <laughs> I ha- I have a that, oh god a little. Interesting anecdote. I guess it'll be. You guys can tell me. Somewhat funny. I didn't know who <laughs> Steve Bassett was. Way to sell it. <laughs> I I was a speaker at the. Let's see. It was the 2007 <clears throat> Roswell UFO Festival. So I guess that was like the 60th anniversary. Yeah. I think I got the right. 
And so I was hanging with uh, Bishop and Nick, Nick Redfern, you know, and they put us up in some hotel somewhere. And so, yeah, went and did the Continental Breakfast thing, and we're just uh, hanging out. And here comes all the UFO dudes, Stanton Friedman, I know, and with Bruce McAvee. It was like a who's who of these fuckers. Uh, who else was there? <laughs> Peter, Peter Robbins, who's a great guy outside of ufology just to hang with. He has some great funny stories. Oh, yeah, Peter Robbins is great. And then this other guy who all of us, you know, we're just like uh, just feeding our faces, whatever, <laughs> having the first cup of coffee. Coffee, Nobody was really too conversant at that time. But then this guy shows up and this starts going off about um, how Hillary was the disclosure candidate. This was 2007, <laughs> so she – and uh, Wow. Podesta, he he was talking about Podesta, and yeah, it's, I mean, on and on and on. I'm going, well. (laughs) (laughs) And and so we finish up, and I'm walking away, and I uh, uh, asked Nick Redfern, who who the fuck's that guy? Is he on the level, you know? And he said, said, oh, yeah, that's Stephen Bassett. He's quite sincere about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Hillary... um, Hillary is the disclosure candidate. She was connected to um, this Rockefeller thing too, right? That was yeah, yeah, was yeah. Into it. I, I'm sure yeah. he told me all, told us all about it. I mean, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. People, <laughs> you're with a bunch <laughs> of UFO dudes, so uh, <laughs> why are you preaching to all of us? That, uh, so yeah, something wasn't quite right with the guy. But uh, anyway, that's my yeah. little Stephen Bassett story. <laughs> yeah, I forget. Oh yeah, you got a shortwave radio. That's how we got onto that. And you have to seek. You have to seek this shit out. That's that was mm-hmm. the. I think that was kind of like again. We saw. I'm going to sound curmudgeonly. I, I don't know if you guys should speak to me, but it's like that. That that's kind of like I think what separates the our generation from you know the generation coming up that we sort of like yeah. old man yells at cloud at. Where it's like <laughs> we had to seek this shit out. You guys just have fucking access to it, so. You know, it's a completely different. You haven't you haven't paid your dues or earned your stripes or fucking had to had to dig out this shit like we did. You know, you're just being handed information. You're just being handed hot takes. You know, and 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 it can, it collides with the confirmation bias I talked about earlier, where it's like they just want to hear what you know. They just want to hear what they already believe. Where with us, it's like you just sought out anything you could find. And fucking drew your own conclusions because there was such a limited amount of shit out there. Yeah, hey, check this out. Even before the short wave thing, uh, it's probably 1988 or so. I used to always be into uh, AM radio, trying to tune in interesting shit, you know. And there, occasionally you would come across stuff. And I came across Billy Goodman. Oh yeah. And he had a uh, signal, you know, his show was like from 10 to 2 a.m., and I came across him when he really first started the show. And it it was uh, one of those things where they had a signal out of Las Vegas where he reached across the country, so he got a listenership. But originally the show was about, uh, he called it The Thing, and he was into uh, like stories of Elvis Presley. This was after Elvis died and ghost stuff, kind of some weird shit. But 
he was in Las Vegas, and it's when the whole uh, Area 51 stuff started. And so he was the initial guy that, uh, and I tuned this in on the radio, you know, it was like I became an avid listener. He'd talk about seeking stuff out, and it was like, you know, a little bit of a secret society there. And, uh, you know, he had some of the original shows with Bob Lazar and a lot of these dudes, and Bill Cooper would <laughs> come on the uh, show. And, it, you know, it was just amazing radio. This was before, a few years before. Art Bell, and I think Art Bell was influenced because he was working out at Las Vegas at the same time that he was influenced by uh, Billy Cooper, who, you know, the the show was a short-lived phenomenon, but it's where a lot of this stuff emerged as well. Indeed. Well, yeah, that was the thing. That's kind of like, it's funny, it, all this shit kind of repeats itself in a way where it's like, at the end of the day, it's all about feeling like you're in in the mm-hmm. know. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's like you just, yeah. you know, you you think that you're, you think you're privy to some fucking tremendous information that nobody else is smart enough to come and fucking find. I so. was. And... <laughs> <laughs> Part of it, it's how the message got out about Area 51, though, from Billy Goodman. I, it got out from George Knapp, too, because he did television shows. But uh, I heard there's going to be a movie of, about that. Yeah, and it kind of launched this whole thing where Billy Goodman, you know, they had some of the original conferences at the Little Alien, and Billy Goodman uh, put together bus trips because, you know, they're getting these stories about going out to Freedom Ridge. Norio Hayakawa put on some early conferences. So, you know, this was kind of a nexus. The Billy Goodman happened radio show and a lot of stuff kind of uh, launched off of that. And I didn't, you know. What became of this Billy Goodman character? Did he die? No, it was kind of a weird deal. It was a short lived phenomenon. He started the uh, show only probably lasted a year or so. It started at like. Uh, it went from 10 to 2 a.m., and then they started uh, getting bomb threats and shit at the radio station. Jesus. It was like, yeah, it was like uh, he was spilling the secrets about, but he wasn't giving up the good fight, and they switched the hours to, uh, then it was midnight to 2 a.m., uh, because supposedly they were getting harassment or something. Then he went from two to five a.m. Then he was off the airwaves, and it was the, it was weird because the sh- show was a huge success. You know, this was like over a six-month period, a year, and then it was gone all of a sudden. And, weird. And you know, the people, Billy and other people, claimed that the powers that be drove them off the air and. Who knows? <laughs> but it, Is he still it sounds alive, like there was, uh No, he died, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. He moved on to other, like Salt Lake City for a while. He had a show in Rhode Island, but it was really that period of a year or so where it was like yeah. a big freaking deal and kind of set the stage for what Art Bell did. I'm, I've heard Art Bell talk briefly about Billy Cooper so he he was aware of what he was doing and uh, Cooper taught you know he talked to all those dudes on his show uh, Lazar uh, John Lear all those guys came on and you know right right after the fact 
right as that was going on, the whole Area 51 sightings and all of that stuff. And then, you know, Art Bell didn't get to it for three or four years after that. So you know what amazes me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, this is completely off the wall. It's. It, I was thinking to myself as you were telling that story, it's like it, it, uh, they should make a movie, not necessarily about uh, Billy Goodman, but like a movie maybe about Long John Neville, because that's kind of like uh, mm-hmm. he was sort of like the big star. Yeah. Then, then as I was yeah. sort of, as I was ruminating on that, I thought to myself something that I thought when I first got into this thing, where it was like uh, at the time I was like they ought to make a movie about Nikola Tesla. I'm stunned that they still haven't made like a blockbuster movie about Nikola Tesla. I mean, I, I assume that that there's probably been some like run of the mill indie thing, but I don't, you know. I mean, they, they they make they make bio biopics about like everybody. It's like I'm stunned there hasn't been one, a, mm-hmm. you know, a major Hollywood like biopic on Tesla, considering yeah, like how definitely. amazing yeah. he was. That's I think that's uh, if you ever need an indication that that the powers that be want to keep a lot of the Tesla stuff quiet. I mean, I think that's, I mean, not to sound crazy, but, you know, why else would there not have been one other than, you know, somebody at various levels quashing it? It's like, nah, no, not that. That won't be good. I, I yeah, suspect, yeah. uh, I suspect JP Morgan, but, uh, who is still alive as a head in the jar. Probably. <laughs> I mean, probably I the vaguely first. recall some, uh, so seeing something on screen about Tesla, or maybe it was like a close take, like based on him. But no, it was. I, I never recall anything that was good, or that. Uh, yeah. Um, that they'll they'll be so fictitious, it really doesn't even resemble what what history historians tell us happened. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It'd, yeah. It'd probably suck anyway, so fuck it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it probably would, but. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, we could talk all night, honestly, but we've gone like forty-five minutes past the hour, so uh, I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. I'll drop, I'll drop an exclusive here, though, because I know you guys are on uh, deep on the banal Twitter level, and. Uh, you know how I've been quietly and secretly transitioning into a lifestyle brand over the last uh, few months. That's partially a joke, but also like how I just keep posting these food pictures. Yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. should become like the the paranormal the paranormal lifestyle brand. So I'll break some news you're, here for you're everybody. The, you're the new you're the new Rachel Ray. That that's exactly. You know, yeah. So yeah, I I I, I want to like have like the Gwyneth Paltrow or whatever like side <laughs> s- side vertical or whatever of of just paranormal lifestyle brand. So I'm gonna break some news here. And usually when I tease this, it happens. Anyone who's followed my food adventures on Twitter, I'm seriously considering a rack of lamb for Christmas. So we're gonna go. Re- yeah, we're gonna go mm-hmm. really intense. Yeah, I was eyeing them over Thanksgiving uh, weekend, and I was like, I need to go bold here for Thanksgiving. So, and these rack of lambs, and they're like fanned in or something. I don't know. They're you know they're just like there's two, they're like placed against each other. And I was like, oh shit, that would be awesome. So that's that be, hopefully be an all Christmas yeah. meal. The se- the secret cooking that you know 
Yeah. Something like that is low and slow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Se- several yeah. hours. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. 220 last, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. And, yeah. Last year for Thanksgiving, since I've, I've, I ban all turkey for holidays in my house because, I mean, beef and pork are right Even on Thanksgiving? So why would you, well, I hate it. I hate it. So wow. last year for It is pretty bland. My, it is. My wife made this. I disagree. Wrapped but... Bacon-wrapped pork loin that was just oh, wow. in, mm-hmm. insane. Good, yeah. It was insane. Um, we've got uh, we've got one of these Instapots that we've never done anything with. So, Tim, if you want to get out there and, and, and do some Instapot pressure cooker experimenting that I could emulate, I would appreciate that. So I, I oh, think I'll look into Tim that. Denal, yeah. the Instapot guru, might be a direction. This is not even a joke. I don't – it's – yeah, it's not a joke, so it shouldn't it shouldn't no. be taken the wrong way. I no, <laughs> let me let me finish. <laughs> um, any because of what happened with the fucking bombing here, like any time I hear pressure cooker, I'm just like I don't oh, want anything. Yeah, I, yeah, it's I really weird, that, but yeah. that's happened a few times because like I'll see these sales where it's like pressure cooker, and I'm like I don't even want any any fucking thing to do. <laughs> With a pressure cooker, just yeah, the words like yeah. "give me the heebie-jeebies." It's really weird, but I yeah, will. Yeah. I, I should investigate it. I don't know about you guys because I just got this thing. Uh, I'll do actually. I'll do a review right now on the show about the the beer dispenser. I got the Hopsy oh, and yeah. I opened it over yeah. Thanksgiving, and it's really good i'll it's it's very convenient essentially you get like it looks like a slightly smaller i'd have to measure it but like a slightly smaller two liter plastic bottle that's pressurized and has like beer in it and then you get this like uh it's from krupp apparently that's a good company i was told uh, they partner with this thing it's like it they looks do like coffee a, products yeah 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 krupp, krupp it looks like um coffee products <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, it looks like a submarine thing where you put the torpedo in. So, like, you open the thing, you shove the two-liter bottle in, you fucking close the thing, you know. And it's like got like it's lined, and it's like a refrigerator. It's big. I gotta take a picture of it. Um, what got me to, to even bring this up is like talking about pressure cookers and stuff. It's like I find that I just don't have enough counter space for all this shit. And this in particular. My review of it is it's good, but you only get about a six-pack of beer, and you really just want to run it, run through it in one sitting. And they're about 20 bucks each. And part of, you get, if you're on the beer club, no, they're 15 bucks each. So if you're on their beer club, they send you like four of them a month. So I guess my overall review is it's good. It's good for like special occasions, I think. But it's more, I'd call it, I'd liken it to like a crock pot or a pressure cooker, where it's like if you're going to use, otherwise you put it in the cabinet. You know, but if you're having company over or something like that, then you bust it out. Or if it's like the Super Bowl or or some big event, then you'll take it out for the day and you'll and you'll use it. Uh, you know, as, as a home draft thing. But uh, but I can't imagine. And I like to drink, as everybody knows. I can't imagine it being like a permanent fixture on my on my countertop because it's giant. Uh, it's a giant little mini refrigerator thing that right. that like. You know, like I literally, I think the last time I drank out of it was like a few days ago, and it's still running up there. So, so, so wow. to me, it's like incredibly wow. not, not, not efficient. 
Uh, I don't, so I don't it's, know. Yeah, if special a, occasion uh, device. I don't know if a crock pot is a good example, but I, I get what you're saying. Well, you don't. You don't. You know. You don't have the crock pot sitting on your countertop, plugged in or unplugged, or just well, ready to go at a moment's it, notice. It, it's like a pot I use to cook anything. You use it and you put it away. That's what this, that's what I'm saying. This is. It's not like a, it's not like a coffee maker. It's not like a right. coffee maker. You know what I'm saying? Right. But like you know, beer has to be you know you know refrigerated. You don't want it to get stale. You know, you don't want to you know you want to use right, up right. what's in there. So yeah, that. Yeah, I can see that. I know they sell like the mini kegs that go in the fridge and um, out here some of the craft breweries, and, and I've gotten them. It's just like I really should have waited for take, you know take up more, too much more, room. more. Yeah, and like I don't have enough people yeah. over for this event to finish this tonight. You know that that's right? Yeah. So I've, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've I've got um, for my home brew. I've got some like I use those five gallon. Uh, the old soda kegs, the old style soda kegs, and I've got a chest oh, freezer nice. converted to a to a fridge out in the garage, and it's it's just you know it's a, it's a maintenance nightmare. But and I don't have time for the hobby as much as I want to. But uh, it's it's nice to have it out there. But you know you need a you know if you want to do something like that, you really do need like a basement or garage to sort that, of move where, it out of the living. That's space. where a clubhouse comes in. You got to have a clubhouse. I made a guy with like with like a a grown up treehouse, and it's just like I was gonna say my dream is to have a grown up treehouse. How how do I live this man's life? You know, um, because that's awesome. Yes, I, I've taken grown up treehouses like my house. dream. Yeah, I always ha- I have these bizarre like lottery fantasies where it's like if I won the lottery. You'll appreciate this, guys. If I were the lottery, I would buy my neighbor's house and then, like, put a secret tunnel in underneath the ground. <laughs> like, build, build like, a, like, a second house. So just so I knew that I had, a, like, a secret tunnel between the two houses. Um, and on that ridiculous note, Blog Talk is literally going to kick us off the air in eight minutes. So let's go around and, and just do the plugs. Um, Aaron, what's the, what's the proper website for the Saucer Life or whatever you, uh, yeah. you want to plug? Go to saucerlife.com. Um, we're we're behind on releasing new episodes, but there's like 50 episodes to catch up on if you haven't heard them all. So saucerlife.com. Awesome. All right, Adam, uh, what's your hub that you want to send people to? Oh, I, I don't care about doing that. All right, sounds good. When's the uh, <laughs> when's the? I already harassed you about the movie. You have more control than about the book than the movie. When's the abductees book or? Uh, Contactees book coming out very yeah. very uh, soon. Um, should you take advantage of the holiday season, man? Uh, I think it'll be ready before uh, Christmas, so I should have a uh, proof in my hand the next couple of days just to review it. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be very soon. I'll get the uh, word out on that. Awesome. All right, Stay let tuned. me know and I'll retweet it and shit. Yeah. And Jack? I can uh, be hooked up with at the UFO Trail. It's ufotrail.blogspot.com. It's one of those Google blogs, the UFO Trail. And you can see what I write about and a link to my book and that kind of thing there. And follow us on Twitter, too. I'm uh, uh, at the UFO Trail. There you go. And I'm at Benal, and Adam is uh, at Adam Go Rightly, and mm-hmm. uh, Aaron is at Furcon. 
So uh, I think I linked them all through the thing. Um, yeah. And 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 actually, and yeah, it's it it. As I said at the start of the show, it's a perfect way to end it. Um, you know, I love these guys. We share the same sensibilities in a sense. We're all all of us. Um, you know, we're kind of like looking down at the ground and kicking our shoes together just to do any plugs uh, for what we're doing. You know, we're not we're not the kind of assholes that go out there and the first thing we do is is, is have a logo and a T-shirt. You know, if anything, we're like last. That's not important. That's really that's really not important. You know, producing good shit is is the key, um, and that's why I have so much respect for you guys. And this has been an absolute blast. Thank you yeah. so much, uh, Aaron, Adam, Jack. Uh, you know, I was like, how the hell am I going to do this? This is crazy, but it, this turned into exactly what I hoped it would be, which is like just the four of us sitting around and uh, and just riffing on all kinds of topics. So thank you guys so much, and you know, hopefully we can do it again next Christmas. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, All right. Tim. Yes, thanks, Tim. All right, guys. I'll see you in the Twitterverse. I got to plug my next right. show. So thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk yep, soon. Thank sure. you. Yep. All, All right. Good, good night, night, guys. Good night. Bye. Wow, that was awesome, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. That was exactly what I hoped it would be. Uh, as I just said, you know. Um, I, I've really grown to love those three guys. We've had just some of the most entertaining and amazing and fun conversations uh, on Twitter over the last year. I've completely, like, shifted my attention over to Twitter and away from Facebook, which is awful. Um, and those three guys uh, have, have just become, you know, some of my best friends on here, on there. And uh, it kind of dawned on me when I was like, okay, what kind of shows, you know, beyond Ruxgiving and the holiday special and the New Year's thing, uh, you know, what kind of shows can I do? that are going to be special. It's not just going to be me talking to just one person. And I was like, I got to get these three guys on. Let's just, let's do it. Let's, let's try and uh, do a round table show. It would be awesome. So, and I, I loved it. It was great. Um, and you're not going to have to wait long for another one of these round table shows because on next week's program, yep, we got another one, another special episode, Tuesday, December 4th. Uh, I want to say 8 PM could be 9 PM. I'm going to have to check the time. It's going to be a Paramania Christmas, and it's going to be me, obviously, uh, author Joshua Cutchin, soon-to-be dad, Joshua Cutchin, and the illustrious Red Pill Junkie, uh, Miguel Romero. I think I can say his name, yeah. The Red Pill Junkie, and uh, we have kind of, similar to the gang on Twitter here, Joshua and Miguel and Greg and a whole bunch of gang, a whole bunch of guys and gals have... uh, become friends and, and gotten together every year, hanging out in different parts of the country for what we call Paramania. And so, uh, as I said, thinking about shows for this holiday season, I was like, I just want to get my friends together and hang out. So that's what we're going to do next week. Joshua Cutchin, Red Pill Junkie, perhaps other folks from Paramania. I'm going to tell Greg Bishop to call in if he can. Um, you know, if Steve Ray wants to call in. The only The only caveat is to get on the show, you have to have – attended a paramania so if you get on the air and we find out that it's someone who's never been at one of these we're going to boot you right off but uh otherwise we'll we'll release the call-in number or whatever to the paramania folks and we'll and uh it's not going to be about paramania per se it's we're probably going to talk about a lot of the stuff you heard us talk about tonight um you know the current state of the ufo field the conspiracy culture um you know ttsa all the stuff that's sort of the hot hot-button topics, and other stuff, too. I mean, Josh just wrote a book about fairies that I want to find out more about. 
And, you know, Miguel has been tracking all kinds of stuff um, over the last year since we had him on the show. So we're going to talk to him about that as well. Uh, I'm getting distracted here because it's 1158 and I'm going to hit the wall in like literal seconds. and They're not going to let me know what's going on. So thank you, everybody who tuned in. This was an absolute blast. Uh, I'm probably going to be hurting in the morning, my throat, uh, from, from doing a th- another three-hour show. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun, uh, and I hope people are enjoying our sort of like uh, mini holiday comeback because I've been enjoying it quite a bit. And on that note, until next week, this is Tim and all. Thank you for listening and signing off.